When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Hey, it's the 24th of October, 2022, and this is the second time we've been on camera this morning already. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. Welcome to Morning Combat, but I am merely just one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., but the king of Connecticut is on the other side of the screen. He's my friend and yours. It's Brian Campbell. What up, B.C.? Luke, they nearly caught me manscaping on cam there. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think it was it was turning to my side, but uh, great to be here. Uh, what a uh, fighting extravaganza we had Saturday afternoon. You know, it was nearly uh, skyrockets in flight there, Luke, so loved it. Loved your reaction to it, uh, and now we wake up Monday morning looking to spin this shit forward. This should be a great show today, so put on your strap, buckle it tight, okay? MK, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. It's coming, right? All right, we don't have a moment to waste, so thank you so much for joining us. We have a, a, a UFC 280 extravaganza here today, although... I will say officially it's Jake Paul Fight Week, but it's not officially Jake Paul Fight Week for us until tomorrow. So today's show, let's talk about UFC 280. So if you're watching on YouTube, thumbs up on the video. Please hit subscribe. Uh, let's see. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, do leave us a nice review if you'd be so kind. BC, Showtime is the label that pays. You could have seen BC on Showbox. You'll see him again, I'm sure, at some point. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. But now it's $3.99 a month. For the first three months after your initial trial, BC's yeah. got the merch on, which you can get at morningcombat.store. Isn't that right, BC? That is right. It's it's a fantastic merch house. Uh, tell them that uh, BC sent you, but RJ Denkelgaber will be there. And we got some great new stuff today. So check it out. Put that aside. Let's bang. Let's UFC. Let's. Hey, Luke, real quick. I saw Eagle Mania last night, the world's premier uh, Eagles cover band. I just wanted to let you know that. Average age in the crowd, about 83, but uh, I enjoyed yeah. it just the same. Okay, Yeah, that sounds about right. I do like I'm not going to hate on Don Henley and the Eagles, but uh, yeah, they're old. They're old as shit. Yeah, so yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, as a reminder as well, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to get your emails in for Wednesday's fan subs and Friday's dead wrong. Now, I want to get right to the analysis, but first, BC, Halloween is a week from today, and we all know Michael, Miles, Michael Myers is scary, but the last thing you need to be is hairy on Halloween. Luckily, our friends at Manscaped launched their fourth-generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Well, s sadly, Luke, what I'm about to say has happened to me. Have you ever tried to 
trim your balls and it turned into a Freddy Krueger film. Yeah, we've been there, right? Well, luckily, Manscaped is here to save the day. They make it safe now by unlocking your confidence with this new performance package 4.0. Inside, you'll find what we like to call the holy grail of men's grooming items. Although, unlike the last scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Luke, your face won't melt while using it unless you, you know, unless you tug a little, little harder than normal, maybe. All right, it's a full moon out and the werewolf in your pants is howling. It's time to tackle the problem with the Lawnmower 4.0. The finely tuned pube products feature a cutting-edge ceramic. We're already talking about pubes and balls, and it's not even 10 minutes into the show. To uh. reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, the Lawnmower 4.0 is easily the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. Oh, by the way, did I mention the trimmer is waterproof, you filthy animals? This yeah, trimmer is a shower essential. Use it in the shower, please. Let me tell you about my package here that that Manscaped gave me. They call it the Performance Package 4.0. And here's what you get in it. The Weed Whacker. And the Weed Whacker is a nose and air hair trimmer. Ear here. Uh, that provides proprietary skin-safe technology that helps pre prevents nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. And some of those holes are your ear hole. Don't be that guy in, the four, in your 40s who's got a... a a giant bush in his ear hole, okay? Use the weed whacker, trim it up. Guys, get back in the game if you fell out. Manscaped's trying to help you. What, what is wrong with you? He's right. You can seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid for formulations. Their crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner will make sure your pumpkins stay fresh. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Yeah, yeah my ball, right? Wow, wow. Hey, Manscaped also just launched their new... Body Buffer, not Michael, not Bruce, the Body Buffer, this 100% antibacterial body scrubber. It's just what you need to keep your things, you know, your candy corn down there fresh and clean. So fresh and so clean this Halloween. Okay, there you go. It rhymes. Yes. Manscaped, Manscaped even threw in, throw in, excuse me, two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level, BC. See, Luke, it used to be called Manscaped when we used to try to clean up down there ourselves, but now Manscaped is helping us out. And also, if you're looking like a Wolverine and you haven't cut your nails recently, I mean, look, I always get in trouble by our staff because I cut my fingernails right before we do well, live. You're, MK a, in you're the just studio. a barn animal when it comes to that. Uh, well, if you haven't recently, be sure to look out. And here's what it's called: the Shears 2.0 nail kit. Look, I'm telling you, Manscaped does not want you to be a filthy piece of trash anymore with hair coming out of everywhere. They want you to use the bits that you were given. Get them right. out of retirement. Here okay? we go. Get get 20 off plus free shipping with the code Combat with a K at Manscaped.com. Again, that's 20 off plus free shipping with the code Combat with a K. Manscaped.com. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny. <laughs> that really just happened with Manscaped. All right. All right. There yeah. you have it. Not a moment to yeah. waste. Here we go. Topic number one, Brian Campbell. Let's get into it. So I did the post-fight show for Morning Combat on Saturday afternoon here in the States. We have not heard from BC yet, so let's go right to him. BC, topic number one, Islam Makachev defeats Charles Oliveira by submission in the second round and what I would call a pretty dominant victory. What is your biggest takeaway from this fight? Well, Luke, first of all, my biggest takeaway is that I was right on all three of these fights and I got clowned for my use of, you know, magic and mythology and, and uh, you know, uh, 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 chemistry and all those other stuff. But at the end of the day, what did I say about this? I said, I'm not, we, we cannot be surprised if either fighter wins dominantly because of how perfectly contrasting the skill sets were. But at the end of the day, why did I echo the betting odds makers by saying 
Forget who Islam has beaten up to this point. Have we seen enough of his game to predict a leveling up? Luke, I did because trying to trying to take somebody and, and name them Habib 2.0 is, you know, the, the biggest setup for failure you could possibly do to somebody unless they're as great as Islam Mahachev is. And Luke, he's, you know, will he ever be? better than Habib. That's not the conversation we have right now. It's, it, it's, is he the best in the lightweight division today? He just proved that against a fighter who was so dangerous, setting so many records that it seemed inevitable that as good as Mahachev was, that Oliveira would find a way to lure him into chaos, as we talked about in the build-up to this. Only, Luke, I said there's something about this guy that seems he's impervious to that. He's going to come in with his game plan. He's going to put it on you. It's not if he'll take you down. It's when and how much. But I think what we ultimately saw from Mahajev was not just an ability after Oliveira pulled guard early in round one to do what he does, sit on top of you, be poised, slow, dangerous, pull on your gas tank. But in round two, when it went back to the feet, landing that counter right hand, which which dropped Oliveira, showing that he had a leveling up in the part of his game that we thought was, you know, the weakness area, and just showing that all around, top to bottom, start to finish, this guy is wiredly di- wired differently. Hashtag Holy Hammer. The apple did not fall too far from the Abdul Manap coaching tree, Luke, because Coach Abib was in there carrying this guy running around because he just went in there and stopped the most dangerous fighter in the sport today who was riding a nearly historic win streak. And here we are. Islam Mahachev, uh, the champion, has a new name. He's from Dagestan. And Luke, as it looked in there, uh, you know, you don't want to put the pressure on him. He's not undefeated. He's not Habib. He's different. But he may not yield this belt for a while because what he showed you on Saturday is applicable against any style. He's not going to be lured into a trap off of his game plan. You have to beat him in his strength to defeat him. Until somebody does that, Luke, he's going to be favored and favored big step by step across this journey as his lightweight reign begins. This was as impressive as it could get. And uh, that's not a injured Charles Oliveira. That's not a, you know, Charles Oliveira who was riding on fumes. That's a prime dangerous fella across from him. And he finished him. He submitted the greatest submission threat in the history of the sport. Can we give this guy his respect? Can we can we give BC his respect? Look, this was a a a changing of the guard, but it was it was humbling to see the ease he had. Uh, you know, I, I, people hate people freaking hate when we try to you know compare things. Who, who's the goat? Does this make him fourth in line for the goat ship? Uh, enough of that. You know what this makes him? Your 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 lightweight champion and a guy who has greatness potentially in front of him. This was that fantastic of a performance. Uh, I I echo everything you're saying. I also picked Makachev too, which is interesting because you know you really look at Charles's game. And BC, we all love Charles, man. And by the way, he could be back in a title fight relatively soon. Look at all who he's beaten. It's not out of the question that that could happen. But here's just the big reality that everyone has to accept, whether you're a Charles Oliveira fan, and you know BC and I are. We love his game. Islam Makachev is a bad matchup for him. A bad matchup for him. Here's one of the biggest realities you just kind of have to accept as BC walks off the set. The reality is this. A lot of fighters who go up against Charles Oliveira, they try and fight fire with fire. He comes in guns blazing, and they try and roll and counter. They try and meet him in the middle. They try and push back with their striking or whatever the particular situation might be. Islam didn't do that. When uh, Charles Oliveira comes in jumping switch kick, he's parrying and getting out of the way. When he's firing in... Uh, with punches and just walking into range, he's taking the dominant angle and giving him a punch right down the middle as he just moves into it. He let 
Charles Oliveira bring the fight to him and when he needed to, defuse the bomb. And when he could, when the moment was right by virtue of his positioning and his timing and whatever else he was selecting, he was able to take advantage of it through the openings. He wasn't trying to just beat down the door like a lot of other Charles Oliveira opponents were. And then when you see that, the way he was able to neutralize the guard, off-balance him in the clinch, and then the way he set up the submission finish punching Charles Oliveira to the head. Obviously, once he's already on the ground, he brings the elbow up, then he occupies it, and then he closed the show from there. It's just, he was a terrible matchup for Charles Oliveira, just matter-of-factly, but I echo BC's point that this guy is the best guy in the world by in this weight class, certainly, by a considerable margin. We'll have to see who is better than him. His striking, I would not call it like super pretty, but it's actually very functional. It does a lot for him. He dropped Charles Oliveira, obviously in the second round, off the right hook. That's the first point I want to make. The second point I want to make is BC. I thought Javier Mendez and Habib Nurmagomedov and whoever else was responsible for that, they had a tremendous game plan. They knew all of Oliveira's tricks. They knew all of his tendencies. They knew what he wanted to do. And they built a game around to either get out of the way of it so he couldn't build on his offense or to take advantage of the openings that he leaves by over-pursuing certain things. And it worked almost flawlessly. That was really kind of incredible. That's true both in the striking department and in the grappling department as well. And BC, here's the last thing. I want to talk about this with just a second for you if we can. I don't know if he's back or not. Yeah, he is. BC, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, Charles looks sluggish on the feet. He didn't look himself. Bullshit. Not true. Yes. Did that cut look terrible? No doubt about it. All of his cuts look terrible. I am. If you wanted to argue, was he drained by the weight cut? I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. But I am severely doubting that he was more drained by this weight cut than previous ones by any kind of considerable margin enough to determine that he didn't look himself. He didn't look himself because Islam made him look that way. That's the fact. I mean, look, look, look the, the thing I said that I think rang most true and it's just a prediction. We all have predictions, right? Not all of us could start with Woodley Till and go on a run right now that, you know, I'm seeing things, right? I'm seeing it's, the future. It's in no way remarkable. In <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But here's the deal. The whole idea that Charles's run has been insane. But what has always been true is he needs to welcome an extreme amount of risk to carry out that bait to get you to take the bait, which is, oh, I've got a chance to hit him here. I've got a chance, you know, and enter into this chaos. And then to give him credit, not only does he operate so deftly in the, in the, in the face of violence and danger, but he's got the chin, the balls, the finishing ability to take your best shot and get out of there. He, he couldn't lure Islam. The last six opponents on this win streak, as impressive as they've been from Kevin Lee all the way through Justin Gaethje, they have been the type of fighters who, if you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna offer it to them for free, they're gonna take it. Islam's not wired that way. Now, it all it obviously was gonna take Mahachev more than just discipline and poise and not taking that bait. But when you see the dominant potential on the ground, when you see him again submit the submission master, but when he, you see him use solid, accurate striking to drop and set up, it, 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 this guy is more dangerous, I think, than we even could have assumed. Even if you told me ahead of time he was going to win this championship, the le the next level of poise on that backbone, it screams holy hammer. Like you know, I, I want to get I want to get right here, just a large cupboard, like a like a dartboard with the doors that open, and then I got all my hammers here. Look, I may have to get 
a separate one just for Islam because his hammer is that large. He's a different dude, a different breed. So in a weird way, it almost didn't matter what Oliveira was trying to do. Uh, you know, you give him a little credit there, Charles. He pulled guard. He wanted to see what Islam had. But once he tasted that, once he tasted the power and the striking, it wasn't going to be the same kind of Charles Oliveira fight that had really been the beauty of this run. You know, take chances, pull you into it. And then be the last man standing and outlast you. Uh, you are going to have to come at Islam Mahachev moving forward with a much more detailed game plan, with m multiple exits to get off the highway, multiple adaptations there. Just trying to lure him in, or just trying to pull guard and see what he's got down there. If you allow him to be the the the, the aggressor and in the, in the and take control, he will. And he'll, and he'll shut the fight off because there's going to the same thing when Habib was on you. There's going to come a point where you're going to panic that your gas tank has left you. And that's when the openings are usually there. And what Charles had feasted on leading in was luring fighters into making critical mistakes that can finish them. What do you do when you got a guy who not only does not make mistakes, but the second you do, the fight's over. Uh, th this was this was a great result, you know, and, and it came at a tough time for Charles because he was mounting a legitimate attempt at, at you know, kind of pushing Habib back a little bit further into history and saying, no, now is my time. It's not. It's just not. So, Luke, how good is this Lamachev? I mean, time will tell. Future will tell. You know, get a couple uh, title defenses before we're even going to begin to start to talk about what he's accomplished. But from this fight, the confidence in you. I mean, they're, they're, they could be offering him a chance to fight the pound-for-pound pound king next, which could bring with it him being the betting favorite and him becoming the pound-for-pound. Pound. I mean, it's it's in play. They are laying out the future for this guy. But right now, how good is Mahachev? That's what I want to know from you, Luke, because all I could use is like alchemy and weird words to try to trick you into believing that I know what I'm talking about. But you actually do, Luke. Yeah, well, just to correct the record, he never pulled guard, Charles Oliveira. There was one time when they clinched, but actually he got taken down by... Uh, uh, Makachev hipped into him and forced. Tell him that down to Twitter. Into, Twitter huh? thinks he pulled guard, Luke. In the in no, the, in he did. He never pulled guard. They're, they're, they're I thought it was wrong. a clean takedown too in real time, yes. but the announcers were 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 embellishing the. the yeah, pulled, they're wrong. They're guard. wrong. But I mean, listen, this is the part about MMA commentary. It's hard to see things in real time. It's much easier with the benefit of hindsight, which is what I have here. But no, Charles Oliveira never pulled guard. He got taken down. Every time he went down, just to be very, very clear about that. Once he got thrown in the clinch, and the other time Charles tried to clinch with him, and Makachev wizard him over. So let's be very clear about that. They went to the ground on Makachev's terms, not Oliveira's. Fact. But to answer the question about how good he is, well, I would say something like this, and we'll get, we'll talk about Dariush on extra credit. You know, a guy like Dariush would might be a bit of a tougher matchup because he can strike as well. He will take risks, but Islam is probably going to do what he always wants to do, which is to get it to the ground. But I think Dariush, as forward-moving as he is and as offensive as he is, is not quite as vulnerable in certain ways, certainly, as Charles Oliveira. And obviously, Charles Oliveira is very good on the ground, so is Dariush. But Dariush can wrestle really well, too. So that makes for an interesting matchup. But it's just hard for me to see who's going to beat him in this division. You could say, oh, Saryukin's coming on. We'll see what happens. But he already lost. But yeah, a future fight could be different, but already passed that test, certainly to some degree, although it was... Saryukin's debut. You got Ismagulov. We'll see what happens with there. Gamrot. We'll see. You know, he just lost, obviously, as well. Like, he's just looking around. If it's Chandler, if it's Poirier, is anyone picking those guys over Makachev? I sure as no. hell not. I think Makachev is your best in class and probably by a little bit of margin, while also a little asterisk there, BC. You would agree, at least a little bit. Some styles make fights. Some of those might be a little bit harder than others, obviously. Uh, absolutely. The, the proof will be in the put in. 
Uh, Luke, there's breaking news from Mike Bone. Can I share it with you or no? Please. Dada 5000 is back. He will compete in a November 19th bare knuckle boxing match against Matt Strickland under the BYB banner. Um, I don't know if this uh, if they will set up defibrillators directly outside the cage, Luke. Does this move you? We're not getting Spence Crawford November yeah, 19th. Can, let's talk about this and have you seen the shit because I, I want to get through this analysis. Um, thanks, Mike Bone. Thanks for ruining our time, Mike Bone. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So let's answer the question here, BC. Obviously, I think Makachev is best in class. I'm sure you would agree as well. Some fights definitely going to be harder than other ones. And listen, there was a couple of striking moments there where he got a little bit over in front of his skis. He would lean too far. By the way, Let's talk about this very quickly. What punch selections did Makachev make? He made basically two of them. Left straight, right hook, or right hook, then the left straight. Why? Because Oliveira just marches into range. He would pop him with the left hook. That would be the first one. And he's constantly reaching with his own left hand, uh, Oliveira is. So then the right hook would sit him down. That's what dropped him in the fight to begin with in that second round. So it wasn't like he had a super sophisticated game, but because he could manage distance and his timing was good, by the way, go back and look, he was also dominant with capturing lead outside foot position, which is very important when you have an open stance, southpaw versus orthodox. He just was had better fundamentals. He had better timing, better positioning, better strike selection, better offense. You can be mad about it. You can hate it. I hate it for Charles because he's such a nice guy. He just got outstruck in this one too because someone else made more careful decisions, which is what we talked about on Friday, BC. Who is more defensively sound? Makachev, by a mile. I mean, the odds makers saw it coming. And let's give credit to an incredible run from Charlie Olives. It's not over, as you mentioned. He outright begged Dane on the post-fight interview to get another shot. You know he'll be back there. He can finish anyone at any time. But I don't think what I said leading up is incorrect. The idea... That juggling that, like, to be fair, it's different, but like Masvidal coming out of the rainforest and then being the best version of himself we've ever seen, there's a, there's a time frame, there's an expiration date on that specific, I figured out how to be as great as I can, I'm taking huge chances to be dramatic, oh shit, I'm on fire. Charles had one of the greatest stretches we've seen in modern history of somebody turning the page on what we thought about them, getting to another level, and... It'll be up to him to decide whether, like you said, wrong matchup, wrong time. This was inevitable no matter what. Or maybe he's coming back down to earth and will humanize a bit moving forward. Either way, what he just did, the the future Hall of Famers that he ran through to get to this point, it deserves our respect and it only adds to how big of a win this was for a guy like Mahachev who had the win streak but not the names uh, he set up, Luke, at least moving forward, depending on the direction they go matchmaking, to get all the names he will need in the next three, four, five fights because he's going to have to probably go through a portion of that same gauntlet that Charles did plus the beginning of this new era and this new generation. And in our pregame preview with Chuck, that was the big narrative. You know, is, is Charles the bridge from old to new? Because the new guys are coming. Luke, they're here. They're, they're right here. All right, so let's talk about this, the next step. It looks like the next one, obviously, is going to be uh, Islam Makachev taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. Maybe it'll be in Australia, maybe it won't. We saw them face off. Volkanovsky is saying he's going to have a much harder time taking me down than he thinks, and on the feet, I'm much better than him. Now, I would agree, on the feet, he is much better than him. I think that's not even really in contest. But the grappling, obviously, is going to be the, the real big X factor. Who do you favor early on? With the right to change your opinion as we get closer, who do you favor right now at 155, Volkanovski or Makachev? Makachev, without question. In fact, Luke, I think it, 
the you, you might end up being a little bit surprised at how big of a favorite he's going to be. Not not minus mm. four hundred, not minus three hundred, but what I'm saying is. You look at the size difference between them. This was always going to be a problem for Volkanovski on the idea of moving up and daring to be great. He was going to have. He's already giving up a, a decent amount of size, at least from a height and reach per st- standpoint, in his own division. Only he's so freaking great, it doesn't matter, right? Well, now we're having him go up another weight class to a guy with the type of FU style, like I like to say, that can completely shut down your plans. What I love about the matchup, though, and I think some of Twitter who just watched Mahachev dominate Oliveira and then saw these two face off in the four-inch height difference and are like, oh, man, this is going to be domination. No, this is the pound-for-pound king we're talking about. And really, in real time, you're watching one of the greatest fighters to have ever done this, 12-0 in the UFC. Uh, He's going to... The key in this fight will be seeing how smart Volkanovski actually is. I believe him when he he says it's not going to be as easy. I think he'll impress us with his wrestling. He has impressed us in different leaps and different categories along the way, whether it's showing the toughness and adaptability against Ortega or going on the offensive against TKZ and just being a completely different fighter in terms of the the danger he added. You love the fight, what they are giving... Like, look, there were two lanes you kind of could have gone. I know Connor's not ready now, but obviously as expected, Connor tweeted out, oh, I've got the antidote. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, get I off know. the road. So, I know. So boring at this get point. Get off the roadhouse set and get in USADA for six months first. But the, my point is, Connor would be the greatest gift they could do to Mahachev's brand on the idea of let's make it as big as it could be commercially. But critically, he cannot get a better fight than Volkanovsky. He'd be the betting favorite. His plan A, still on paper, until Volkanovsky can prove what he looks like at lightweight, should be the difference. And he could literally go from beating Charles Oliveira to becoming the pound-for-pound king in two fights. That's in play for Mahachev. I love this matchmaking, Luke. This is a super fight that kind of fell in our laps. I don't think there's a ton of risk for Volkanovski. It's a chance to use the leverage you built up and try to be freaking great. I like that spirit, but I like Mahachev as the favorite, and I hope we get this next. I'm really into this, and I think a lot of Twitter are missing that and undervaluing. It's an uphill battle for Volkanovski, but don't don't miss out. And I know you don't, Luke, because you have you probably had to get larger pants, right, after after his last couple wins. Um He's, he's going to find a way to be in this fight. It's just, can he win it? And, you know, as much as we're talking about Mahachev right now, what do we do with Volkanovski historically if he does win it? Another topic for another day, right? Yeah, certainly. Although one point I want to make, Dana White acknowledged the thing you referenced, that Conor McGregor is out of the USADA testing pool and will have to come back into it for six months before he can get a fight again, which means I don't even know if he's, I don't think he can fight this year, right? Because we're already in the 10th month, so that's impossible. Um, but the point I wanted to make was, Remember what the regulations were that they told us. You can get out of the testing pool when you retire or if you're obviously no longer with the organization. And so what happened here? Like, he says, hasn't UFC waived the six-month thing before? They have, but Dana White did say at the presser that, no, he would have to be back in the six-month pool. So they could waive it if they wanted to. I tend to think they might not make him. But either way, the point I want to make is USADA's transparency. Oh, yeah, how about that? Well, here's the that? fear. So first of all, the reference from Mikey, our producer, was obviously Brock Lesnar at UFC 200. Correct. Uh, it allowed a retiring fighter a chance to waive that. He obviously, you know, shout out to Mark Hunt's defense team, obviously took that opportunity to juice himself to the gills. But... um. You just don't want Dana to suddenly get on the mic and go, oh, I misspoke. He's actually been in the testing pool for five and a half months, so uh, get ready for Mahachev McGregor. No, that's not happening. It doesn't deserve to happen. Let's get that out of our imagination. It is, though, Luke, and we we could waste a lot of shows talking about Connor and even the UFC fans groan at that. 
But it, the, the more he's away, the more creatine water weight he's putting on to fill out this roadhouse role. I have no idea when, if, what he's going to look like. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, knows? I just want to bring it up because I saw that he tweeted some like verbal nonsense. It would, it yeah, you know, I've coherent. got the style. Yeah, and then Dana confirming. I just want to be very clear. So now it turns out that either one, there's a third category beyond being cut or retirement that you can occupy, which we don't know about, or you can just weaponize retirement to go do whatever the fuck you want with yes. these performance enhancing drugs. So great job, you saw it. Really cleaning up the sport. Okay, neither here nor there. Getting back to this, BC, one more question I want to ask about this because we do have a loaded show to get to. Is there any doubt now at this point? I'm not comparing resumes because I don't want to get into that anymore. But is there any doubt at this point, BC, that Habib would have just washed Oliveira? Like, is there any doubt in your mind this would have looked exactly the same, if not worse? There's not a doubt. And as much as I have turned the corner so hard completely where I don't even want people to make the joke anymore of, you know, what would it take for Habib to come? He's not coming out. I mean, he's, got, he's wearing he's wearing barefoot and sandals as the best coach in the game right now, arguably. You know what I mean? He ain't coming back. But yes, the 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 biggest regret in him retiring on top of the mountain, both commercially and critically, your pound for pound king at that time is you would have loved it against Oliveira. You would have loved it against everyone they can line up because you would have favored him against everyone. And, and and look, my eyes are not telling me yet that Islam is as good, but this this style-wise to the to the very, you know, at least it shows us what it would have probably looked like. And you know, it's, yeah. who knows, but I think it's it's pretty clear. Yes. Look, it's all, Oliver it's a, it's a, was was on borrowed time with house yeah. money, and you know that to a certain yeah. degree. The, the reality is, yes, could Oliveira have won? Oliveira on his best day might be able to beat anyone in the sport, maybe even up a weight class depending on how things go, but it just looks to me like the relative ease that Islam had, I think Habib would have been exactly the same. I don't know when they're going to do this Makachev-Volkanovsky fight. I love it. I'm like UBC. I favor Makachev. I don't think he'll be a huge, huge, huge favorite, but I think he'll be sort of a clear one, and then we'll have to go from there. But to your point, if, if Makachev wins, what a resume boost that would be. By contrast, if Volkanovsky wins, holy shit, that would be tremendous in and of itself although it then creates problems for both the 155 and 145 pound division because you ain't defending both of them continuously all right bc let's get to point number two here topic number two aljamain sterling looked pretty good for what we saw he retained his bantamweight title defeating tj dillashaw i think sometime in the second round but it turned out that dillashaw dislocated his shoulder in the first round then did it again in the second round they eventually had to call it off they interview him afterwards and he admits that his shoulder had fallen out of its socket about 20 times during camp, which means folks were like trying to downplay this. You might have irreparable damage as a consequence of that, which we'll talk about in a second. BC, here's my question for you. This was a waste of everyone's time. Yes. Should this fight have even happened at all? No, it shouldn't have. And, and I got a lot of flack. I'm sure you did, too, in tweeting out like if he knew he was that compromised, which we found out after he did. I got questions how you got past the commission, how you got past the doctors, how you got, you know, in, in this case, and Dana said afterwards he didn't even know. Well, it was getting fishy, Luke. I couldn't, I tried like hell to get an interview with him. It kept falling apart. He, what, didn't, wasn't on the embedded cameras at all. He didn't do the public workout and hit mitts. I know it's a gray area because people are going to say, okay, Luke and BC, you're going to criticize Dillashaw now when you know the facts, but weren't you, didn't you just have Eric Nixick on the other day, basically lying, you know, hero making, Nganu, the all-time greatest man hero for what he did when they said don't even walk on that leg, let alone fight. Yeah, it's a gray area because it's a gamble. If you can pull it off and it does not compromise you, it sets you up to 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 
you know, for greatness. And sometimes these guys get at a point through a long camp, they need the money. That's just the reality of it. Or they can't miss this opportunity because it may not ever come again. I get that. But shouldn't there be more things in place that are more honest in, 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 in terms to prevent the, the other half of the equation? Like in boxing, when Sergio Martinez, the middleweight champion, welcomed Miguel Cotto in, what, 2016 or 17, whatever it was, and, you know, couldn't even stand on his leg and got dropped three times in the first round. And it was a, you know, laugher after that. And a lot of people going, he knew how bad his knee was. Come on. Nobody wins in this case. And everybody's going, dude, I, I think I just saw Aljo win. And didn't he win a lot of money? And doesn't he get Dillashaw's name on his record? And maybe 20 years from now, we forget that this injury happened? Well, maybe. But he doesn't get any short-term critical respect. He beat a guy who the first second they collided, meaning Dillashaw kicked, Aljo caught it, took him down. The shoulder was out. And and really, when it's that far out, I think this mixed with the Aaron Pico situation, we do have to look at this closer for the long-term health, as Luke said, the irreparable damage. These guys are wired in a way, and nobody is a more gritty competitor than Dill- Dillashaw. We, I mean, he's been caught cheating and long time off and keeps coming back and finding every way to be great. So I'm not surprised he would have been willing to do this. But somebody's got to speak up. Somebody's got to have a way in there. He, he, There was not a way, you know, he, to say afterwards, I'm sorry, guys, I didn't want to hold the division up any longer. You've already been holding up the division. You've been out for a year. You got hurt. You said you destroyed your shoulder in April. You're only a couple of years removed from double shoulder surgery. To have it come out 20 times in camp, this is not the Ngannou situation. And to hear afterwards, oh, you know, I knew I couldn't take him down, so I wanted to talk trash and get into a fight with him. You had one working arm. And I don't even think, I don't know how this fight was allowed to go on as long as it did. Even if they were able to pop it back in, which it seemed like they did at the end of round one, as Paul Felder said on the broadcast, I mean, it's not going to have the full use you expect in the idea, you know, the amount of potential future damage that you're welcoming. That's where somebody's got to step in a coach, a commission, a referee, and just be like, like, no, you can't continue. I mean, it's the same thing when, when, when you know, uh, Mike Chandler lost his belt to Brent Primus that time in Madison Square Garden. You know, the 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 foot injury. It's like he would have continued, but but you can't, you can't do that. Um, nobody won in this. Dillashaw held up the division for another year, and I love Dillashaw. You know that. That's why I was willing to say, if his body does not betray him, I think he wins this fight. For all we know, he may have. But his body betrayed him, and he knew about that six months before, and it only got worse throughout camp. You, you know, in some ways, Dillashaw the villain is back. He took the money. He took the opportunity, too. But he knew, like, the window's going to be closed. It's hard to keep your body together when you've gone through that much and operated at that high of a level. But, you know, Aljo didn't win much. This this didn't give us any answers. And obviously, it's extra, it's extra easy to complain about when you're talking about the deepest division and so many guys. Well, you know, Marlon Vera, so many guys are worthy of shots right now. And, you know, as much as I wanted to tell you ahead of the fight, yeah, he was once a cheater, but he served his time. Now we need to shut up about the PEDs. If he could pass the test, he's in there. Well, this was a test he would have failed. The shoulder, are you even healthy enough to do this? But somehow he passed that too, Luke. And I don't know if it was lying. I don't know if what, what happened. But this is just not a good look for the sport at all if, if, if this is the way shit plays out. And I know the pressure on them. I know that's why Cain Velasquez had to enter the first uh, JDS fight and lose his title with that bad knee injury because it was the first fight on Fox. It was going up against Pacquiao Marquez 3. This fight card didn't need this. <laughs> they, they could have pulled this. You know, they could have rescheduled it. They could have done a lot of different things. What we saw was the worst case scenario. And uh, the only question now is, Luke, how do you change that? What safeguards can you put in? 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not so sure this how easy it is to solve this problem. I mean, the first thing I would say is, folks are like, well, and I said it too, like because you know the pre-fight medical screening is just garbage. But you got to understand something about pre-fight medical screening. While I think it is garbage, it does almost nothing. Uh, the reality is, when you go to the doctor, you may not know what you have wrong with you. They may not know what you have wrong with you. But you're at least telling them, uh, you know, in, in in most cases, you're telling them honestly what your symptoms are, and then they're able to sort of pinpoint what the problem is. Imagine you're trying to conceal something from the doctor by saying nothing is wrong, there is no problem, and you can more or less kind of get away with it from a motion standpoint if it is your shoulder without it popping out automatically, right? You can move it in sort of, you know, just enough for a basic, basic, basic physical exam. How the hell are they supposed to know what's wrong with you? They would have to really, really go in and piece by piece and kind of find stuff. There's no time, there's no, there's no money for that. So if you're not honest in your medical screening, the process is fairly worthless is the first thing I'd say. The second part is Aaron Bronstead, a friend of the show, brought up a great point on Twitter last night, which was... You know, the team did a pretty good job of keeping this thing secret because if it had gotten out, it could have fucked up betting lines. Also, if his team was less scrupulous, they could have bet on Aljo and made a ton of money to win because they knew about how fucking bad he was in in a certain way. They could have easily just gamed the system. Like, there's all kinds of problems with this. But the, so let's the last- stay there. Let's well before you well, before on. you go on the one the last thing, point. One, just let me just get this one last point. The last point is, and, and other folks brought this up to me, which I didn't even consider it because. I just hadn't thought of it this way, but it's quite obvious now in retrospect. He was doing this to get paid, probably, right? Yes. He was fighting once in 2017, once in 2018, once in 2019, two years off, then once again a year for the two subsequent years. He probably needed the money. But it's like, dude, I'm not going to say that this is fraud. It's not. But this is borderline fraud. This is where you are. I mean, to to bring up your point about the Nixick thing, BC, yes, that is not a great scenario either. But... Francis was able to go out and compete without re-aggravating the injury in some kind of other serious way through the course of it and win both to some extent in the stand-up but certainly in the wrestling department. He got the job done. Literally, literally, the first time he had to post on his hand, it came out. Dude, you're not, you were, that fight was never, 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 never going to go any other way than the way that it did. And it's, I mean, look, it's, it is a gray area because if Francis goes out there and his knee buckles, ten, you know, 15 seconds in and the fight's over and gone's the new champion and he's a free agent, we're like, you know, we might have come down hard on Francis in that moment. I mean, you know, like, it, that's the chance you take, just like they're taking the same chance that they're going to be able to win, you know, w- without the injury aggravating. But what we found out in that post fight interview was this, you know, it didn't, look, it's different if it happens in the moment or if it's something you're saying with my style. I may be able to conceal this. I mean, you know, Anderson Silva came into the Chael Sonnen fight with a broken rib, and that certainly played a factor, as did PEDs, in him ending up on his back and providing the ultimate hero moment of coming back and and rallying for the win. But uh, it's tough. It's tough because sometimes you have to do that. I'm sure TJ looked at the situation and said, I just missed a year. I just missed two years before that. Every time I fight, I'm getting a major injury. Like, this may be the last chance to get this. And in the competitor in the back of his mind, I'm sure, talked himself into the idea of luring Aljo into a standing war and trying to knock him out. Did that against Cody twice, but... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
when it goes this way, then you got to start pointing fingers. And it was like, man, TJ kind of incriminated himself directly after in the way and when he went to apologize for it. So the biggest factor you brought up, I thought, Luke, is the betting odds. And there was a time where, you know, all sports were, you know, obvious, not oblivious to the betting going on, but weren't able to push it in the way that they do now, meaning UFC has major sponsorship deals with DraftKings and literally on the screen every other five minutes, there's a mention of how you can play on DraftKings or that some rich person just put down 300,000 for some, you know, Fiora to win by TKO. Like all this stuff is put in your face, just like why I thought it was the right move for the UFC last week to make the rule where, where fighters can't bet and specifically not bet on themselves when it comes to UFC fights, just to put in that safeguard in this era of embracing betting, there, there's the I, I'd have to believe there's got to be even more responsibility on not allowing this level of a damaged product to enter out there. Because imagine if you did take my advice and telling you if he's healthy, he can win this. And imagine if you did bet irresponsibly. Okay, well, you learned a hard lesson, but could it have been avoidable, Luke? Could it have been, or am I just preaching a you know fresh well, and clean perfect I, I put up, a, perfect I put up something i put up something on instagram about it and misha tate responded in the comments basically her argument was it's not a bad argument which was because i was like you know fighters managers coaches like if you have a guy who's this i mean again, again one more time the first time he posted on it it came right out you are not dude you're, you're you cannot even win in the ufc that way much less beat fucking aljamain sterling you, i mean it's just totally delusional and i'm like if the if you know if you're in, are in this guy's team you got to say something to him you can't go along with it now i get he needed the check so i guess it's going to be what it's going to be but she, her point was like you know it's not fair to push this on to managers or coaches and i i really disagree with that like number one i have seen managers give up their role with fighters when they disagree with paths they're taking and taking certain fights i've literally seen that number one i've seen coaches give up on fighters who they didn't agree with continuing to fight based on certain circumstances I've literally watched it. I don't present those to be easy choices, but this is the basic point I want to make. If you go, if you're part of that guy's team and you go through with this, you might think you have noble intentions, and maybe you do. Maybe you do have noble intentions, but the customer doesn't deserve this. They are paying for something that is yeah. not that. This is not what they signed up for when they forked over that money. You can't do that to them. And if you sign up to help them, you are also complicit. It's moral reasoning. You are complicit. You assisted them in this effort. Again, it's not quite fraud, but it's like a watered-down version of it. If you assist them, you can think you're noble, and maybe you were to some extent. It's all kind of complicated, but you also bear culpability in assisting those efforts. That's just a fucking fact. So anyway, yeah, no, it's 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 it sucks, and it, and it, and it helps. You know, it helps to this argument that it played out worst case scenario first time they touched. It, it sucks, and, and for Aljo. Well, Luke, I think for Aljo, it's like, you know, he already had a rough reputation. He already had the DQ title win and the pictures posing with it, yet turn that around by beating Jan, yet I heard the more the most amount of Jan truthers I've ever heard leading up to this fight about how seemingly people didn't see Aljo win that rematch. I saw him win that. And now you have this, which is, you know, he didn't beat him. I mean, you know, he, I mean, look, it's like, you know, I don't even want to celebrate TJ's toughness in round one. It's, it's, a, it's. It's a miracle he finished that first round. It really is with a guy that dangerous on his back, literally on a backpack on him. I mean, it's a miracle. But, you know, Aljo only gets booed in the post fight as he's doing his his kind of cringy heel thing. And, it, you know, it does nothing for his credibility. It just doesn't. So nobody wins. Look, nobody wins. But I'm yeah. sure if you gave, if you pulled the fighters and managers, you know, from Misha Tate's perspective, 
I'm sure they have a hell of an argument as to why all of the, uh, you know, everything's tilted against the fighter where sometimes you have to make these decisions and hope for the best. I get that. But it, it, there's only one Francis Ngannou and there's going to be very few moments where that Francis Ngannou story actually plays out that way. It, Listen, you know, I understand that these decisions, which I don't have to make, are much more difficult when you're close to these people. I get it. I get it in that sense. I get it in the sense of none of these decisions are easy for anyone. And I, I and Misha's argument i think is not altogether wrong which is that like yo the fighter bears responsibility here too fair point absolutely fair point but if you are around that fighter and you assist them in these efforts you are part of this process you cannot divorce yourself from it you now bear responsibility as well they can't stop the guy but they can stop themselves i realize that no one wants to do that but if you don't want an argument that you are also culpable for helping in these scenarios then don't help in these scenarios. That's sort of the basic idea here. Look, now, Misha had a good argument, and I know you've known her a long time, and you're not going to come back and send her to hell like I wish you no, would have against not. John Jones I like at the Misha 214 press conference. But had you just sent her a picture of a shed, do you think she would have got the mic drop moment there, Luke? I don't even understand what you're saying. Had she locked up the ATV properly, maybe Caraway wouldn't have. God. stolen you're awful. that you're awful like he did uh, la last thing on this la last thing on this we'll, we'll come back to aljo because we're going to have a bantamweight matchmaking questions but on the case of dillashaw so he turns 37 in february by the way shoulder rehabilitation i went i won't go back over it, but i went i talked about it on the post fight show is slow it takes a long time to get uh, better um if he gets better at all i mean the damage he's done could be significant inside that space bc does he have a future in the sport at all you know, it's going to depend on the recovery. He's asked a lot about his body to get back, you know, a lot of his body to get back to this point, because even though that two-year break was USADA-driven, uh, he had the double shoulder surgery, and then to have that leg injury, which he fought through freaking heroically, and he would have fought heroically here if, if if the shoulder hadn't betrayed him, believe that. But no, I you know, I think that that answers why he made the, that tough decision to just go for it, because I, he, I think he knows that, you, you know, the body's going to, as much as he's retained, an incredible level of speed and reaction time and all that to stay elite at this age, your, your body can only hold up so much in trying to patchwork, repair, put ba you know band-aids on, just try to get to that next stop. Um, I think, Luke, with, with significant time off, he can get back to fighting. I mean, would you ever be against him rematching Dom Cruz? No. I mean, there's, no. you know, TJ may have enough left to still make fun and even to some degree big fights, but I think this severely... Uh, diminishes the likelihood that he would ever return to the elite level because he's his, you know, the physical recovery. I mean, he may have, he may have done legitimate damage. So uh, we're gonna have to find out. And also he could be 38 before he even comes back, much less 37. At, at, right. And at, he's got a style that demands so much of his body to be right. sharp and, and perfect, you know? And I mean, it's literally, literally his body is falling apart. It's falling yes. apart. You know, there's, there's some major questions to be asked here. And by the way, they mentioned Aaron Pico on the thing, both Aaron Pico on the broadcast, excuse me, Aaron Pico and Dillashaw, both dislocating their shoulder. They have the same trainer, they're, uh, Sam Calavita. Now, I don't want to uh, suggest that I have any understanding about why the shoulder was injured to begin with, or in the case of Pico, why, why what happened happened. I don't fully know. Somewhat weird that two guys would get the same kind of dislocation uh, coming from the same camp. So... Something to think, or wait, having wait, the same trainer anyway. They have the same what physical trainer? I mean, yeah, Sam Calavita does. I think both of their physical training. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just fired up that John Anik referenced Bellator on the broadcast and they didn't fire him right there. That was great. Yeah, right? Kind of amazing. All right. Let's talk about the fight that got most people talking beyond the main event, certainly, but maybe even more than that. How about this? Sean O'Malley defeats Piotr Jan here. Topic number three, but it's a split decision. And more to the point, a very controversial split decision. Two judges gave round one and round three to O'Malley. And then every judge, I think, gave the second round to Jan. One judge gave Jan the first and the second. BC, first question, how did you score the fight? Uh, two rounds to one for Jan. Like, I think every single media person that gets, you know, pulled together on these lists that they have online, I, I, they, they couldn't find one that picked O'Malley. Close fight, yes. Is there an avenue to pick O'Malley? So all three judges gave O'Malley the third. That's the one round I gave him. Even that round is close, by the way, and you can argue for Jan, but the flying knee cut Jan open, even though Jan finished the fight with ground upon on top, I'm fine giving O'Malley the third. There is a path to give him a two-to-one victory, a split-decision win here, it, but it would have to be round one. It was a close round. There wasn't a ton of damage either way, but Jan was able to take him down and have success on top, and I don't think O'Malley did enough on the feet. So to give him both of those, both one and three, you're asking a lot. Not a robbery, not a, you know, Dana loaded envelope to the three judges, you know. Uh, uh, you, no, although I, I get that that's why people, you know, right away are like, oh, come on. But you do have to reach a little bit. Close fight, it could have gone on Mally's way. It was obviously surprising to then see two of the three judges do that when everybody from a distance couldn't go to that length. I'll reserve the right that judges are closer than we are. They see a little bit more than we do. I'll also reserve the right to mention that the scoring system's all over the place in terms of interpretation. But even in all of that together, Luke, no, I can't give them two rounds. I really can't. But what's interesting about this, and maybe why there isn't maybe even more outrage, what did O'Malley have to prove in this fight? That he belongs among the bantamweight elite, among the, the elite in the most in the deepest, most dangerous division, not only in the sport today, but really maybe ever. He proved that. He was tough. He got rocked. He stayed in. He made adjustments to his game. He rallied in the third. So it's weird that in the fight he gets a, a decision win, which people don't think he deserved. He did accomplish what he set out to do, proving he belongs in this level. And look, I've got to say this, whether you care about his reaction or not, his reaction afterwards of of not of being like Almost saying, I'm not even really sure if I won. Let me watch the tape. Even when they asked him, are you ready for the title next? You know, he's like, well, let me watch the tape again. I, res I got nothing but respect for that. Like Anthony Smith not allowing that DQ win over John Jones. I got a lot of respect for O'Malley being real right there in that moment. And uh, I think he wins. Even if he had lost this, I think he would have, you know, won in it from a critical standpoint. But I don't think it's great that he won, though, Luke. You know, uh, you know, I, I knew he was going to win. I just knew he was going to go win in ways that I couldn't describe. And they didn't involve co corruption. It just felt like this momentum, this run that he's on. I'm not surprised that he won, but I can't find two rounds for him, Luke. I can't. Just me. My, my criteria. My yeah, scoring. I, I, had someone I, come after, I had someone come after me on social media being like, oh, same thing. You always say this, that there's not a robbery. Yes. Yes. You fucking bozos. Of course I'm saying it's not. Here's what a robbery would be. A robbery would be if all three judges, or at least two of the judges anyway, gave round two to O'Malley. Now, yeah. that would be a robbery. That's a robbery. But giving him the round that he clearly won, not giving him the third round, which was con closely contested, but probably a fair call for O'Malley, 
and then not giving him the first one. I don't agree with that, but the clo- the numeric totals were close, and then there wasn't much ground and pound or submission threats from the grappling itself. And so under the new criteria, which I think is absolutely fucking stupid, but it is the criteria that the judges are asked to use, there you have it. I can I can squint and see why the judges may have called it for him, but a robbery would be something that is inexplicable. This is quite explainable. This is not that yes. hard to noodle through, right? You see, like, I've seen... I, I, this is a true story. I literally called the fight. It was an old promotion called UWC back when they were in the Mid-Atlantic and the aughts. I called the fight between Mike Easton and Chase Beebe, now UFC and then a WEC veterans. And Chase Beebe and a 25-minute fight had Mike Easton's back for like 22 minutes. Something insane. It, he had no offense, really, to speak of. Um, and the judges somehow gave it to Mike Easton. It is not explainable. It's not explainable under the criteria. That is a robbery, ladies and gentlemen. A closely contested round going potentially not the way that you like it. I disagree. I also think that Jan won. That is not a robbery. Right. Thank you. It's exasperated by the idea that O'Malley is the, you know, the 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 chosen one marketing wise, and it probably should be for them. And that's why he was in this spot. That's why Dana declared it's a number one contender bout, even though Marlon Vera beat him and is, you know, maybe arguably more deserving. You knew it. So when somebody wins a decision in which, again, we can find a path for it. I get how it happened. I just fully did not agree. You're good. That's when it becomes a robbery and there's, you know, conspiracy and all that. I don't think this was the case in this. O'Malley had a great reaction. He also fought very good. This is also your former champion in Piotr Jan, who is, you know, nearly flawless across the board, you know, outside of maybe Aljo taking his back more than I expected in the second fight. And uh, O'Malley, he's going to get the, the, the spoils of it, Luke, but we have to separate between uh, I don't agree with the decision and this is corruption. I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of steps in between that. All right. The other And by the way, I saw the, Ben Cartilage is one of the judges who gave the first round to O'Malley. Ben Cartilage is a very good judge, a very, very, very competent judge. Like, I don't agree in this particular case, but to your point, I don't know how he saw it. So, and the, his vantage point in the cage, what, what he heard, what he didn't, what he saw, what he didn't. So, Dude, wouldn't it be totally nice if we had accountability? Yeah. We have accountability. I mean, people, people, this is the main, the main reason why I don't want open scoring separate from the real reason, which is, I think it's more entertaining without it is, is, um, I forgot Luke. Yeah. It was going to be great. You know what I mean? I'm just going to have to sit here. Shame. I'm going to have to sit there wearing the shame of my, of my, uh, of my broken down path that I was headed towards. So just, well, please, just I was going to say this. I, I think the know. right takeaway that you had BC was that like win or lose, like even if I scored the fight for Jan, dude, Sean O'Malley belongs. He is a yes, very, yes. very, very legitimate top guy at 135 pounds. Although here's the thing, BC, like he was kind of hesitant. Cause I'm, I, you know, you look at his body language and everyone else's and I, you reference this, you know, when they were reading the decision, it didn't look like they thought that he had won. But the bigger point is this. It's like, okay, on the feet, O'Malley is a force to be reckoned with. Like, you know, Jan gave it back to him, but Jan is also like a very high-level bantamweight. And, you know, I, they were giving each other fits on the feet. So I, he is clearly of that level. On the ground, however, BC, in the wrestling defense, a guy like Sterling, could he beat O'Malley on the feet? Highly unlikely. Could he beat him on the ground? I think he takes his lunch money on the yes. ground, right? I do think that he is skilled and he belongs, but there's a clear difference in some of the phases of the game. And, indeed, and that's going to be 
That's why I think the the Connor comparisons are more apt. Not just that they're colorful and they both have you know big audiences and momentum when, uh, upon their rise. Is that O'Malley? You know, I don't I don't think he's ever going to be that fully rounded out, completely you know mixed martial arts across the board. What he does. He's great at it. He can beat anybody with his A-game. It seems, though, and he proved this in this fight, whether you thought he won or lost, he may have enough of those other intangibles to to keep him going on the elite level and keep him down this path, even if he doesn't round it out. But there are some bad style matchups for him, just like there always would be for Connor. And I think that only, in some ways, raises the entertainment and the anticipation. Can he get it done? You know, what happens? This was good for him to find out what it's like when you get rocked by a championship-level fighter and, and how you respond to that. And in those regards, Luke, I, like, what's the most valuable thing that... O'Malley gained for himself, if he cares, is this whole idea that he's, you know, uh, fragile from the from the Vera fight. He he kind of got rid of that to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. That he may fall apart. That he may yes. have an unforced error. That he's yes. that he's weak. All anything like that. You know, I didn't love yeah. that 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 finish for him against Vera, and I hated even worse his reaction to it. But this was mature in the ways he needed it to be mature. Even though, God, yeah, I mean, could it, I keep for? I was saying all week that Jan, if he loses, be three in a row. I keep forgetting about that Corey Sandhagen fight in between, which was a great fight, and Jan was amazing in that. But this is three losses in four fights for a guy who, I mean, he's still among the ten best in the world, in my opinion, Luke. It's 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 crazy to see, but that's this division. That's the bad luck he he got. Yeah, and again, last thing on this for me is just that I just hate the scoring criteria. I, I realize that you just don't want a guy laying on top of another guy. Yes. And they being like, oh, well, he got in a lot of control time, so then that matters. I do a Control time is a variable. It certainly matters to some degree, but you don't want to overstate it. But this idea that the only grappling that matters is like if you're laying heavy ground and pound or close to a submission, I think is a fucking joke, personally. Um, if you take a guy out of his very best place where he is no longer able to la- launch meaningful offense, it is creating instability in terms of how much how secure he can be and, and what he can throw by virtue of, um, you yeah. know, am I going to be taken off of my feet, plus the actual, actual work he has to do to extricate himself from that. Give me a fucking break, dude. That is real. That is valuable. That matters. And to just chuck that out the window seems to me like yeah. a vast overcorrection but whenever you're unsure guys read the letter of the law like we've done a few times on the show it's not the word damage it's the word impact and when your a when your plan a takes away somebody else's and they've got to struggle and make adjustments that could win you a close round if there's no damage i mean that's just how how the scoring criteria works and then everyone's got a different interpretation of said scoring criteria so good luck luke right i mean it's really the scoring system that could create the outcome we saw there Yep, fair enough. All right, BC, sticking with the bantamweight division, let's tie some of this together. Topic number four, which is Sterling is still your champion. Granted, in this weird space where people still haven't quite warmed up to him, but he's obviously very talented. You saw a lot of call-outs, and he was just, you know, in the post-fight speech or interview, he was just, you know, letting everyone catch strays. So what makes the most sense for him now? I don't think a Dillashaw rematch makes any sense, so we can put that out of the way. Is it Henry Cejudo, is it Chito Vera, or is it Sean O'Malley? Uh, I think Chito's the most deserving, and I think this would be the best way to correct the idea that, you know, if, if O'Malley had a chance to leapfrog the whole division, and if they went O'Malley next, nobody's going to argue. that's Promotionally, the right move is O'Malley next. That's why you put him in that spot. 
You don't own the judges. Uh, you know, there's no conspiracy in this case from my vantage point, in my opinion. So that so O'Malley is the right fight for the promotion to make. But is there any type of way that you could slow that because O'Malley didn't clearly win this in everybody's eyes and plug in Cheeto Vera, who's more deserving and kind of fix the problem with your whole scenario? You could do that. But, you know, they're not going to always make the decision that makes the most fair. They're going to make the decision that, that makes the most business. O'Malley next completes that plan and it's huge business. But Henry Cejudo next is interesting. It is a wild card. It would force O'Malley to take a step back. And if O'Malley is going to be forced to take a step back, is the only fight that makes the most sense? Cheeto rematch for the chance to be the next title challenger mm. after that? It's interesting because what you'd be what you'd be doing is rewarding Cejudo for going away on his own terms, which the UFC hates. So there's always that part in the back of your mind that when Cejudo does officially ready to come back, will they make him go through the gauntlet a bit to get there? This would be stopping your prized recruit here in O'Malley from, you know, going full bloom potentially by sliding in Henry. And so I think at the end of the day, that's why it's not going to happen, Luke. Because if they needed Henry Cejudo's star power right now, they could do it in a second. They don't need it. The division's deep as hell, and you've got O'Malley next. So I just gave, I just talked you up on all three op, uh, you know, options. The promotion at the end of the day is going to make the best move for the promotion. And as long as nobody's injured, Sean O'Malley's going to fight for that title next. And then it's going to make, if he wins the title, him against Vera so much more interesting. And I think Henry will be back within the next year. But I think the UFC has to be strategic on when to do that. And I don't think they're going to be in the position to try to reward him and have him cut in front of a guy who could be the biggest star in the game if he keeps winning. So there's there's the truth at the end of the day, Luke. I almost want Cejudo to get it. In the sense that I, I agree with you that they probably won't because he would be rewarding him or whatever. But uh, I almost would love it under the idea that I would love to see a Cheeto versus O'Malley rematch for five rounds. I would love that. I think that would be so interesting because here's the reality, man. O'Malley can strike his ass off. He is so good, powerful, quick, crafty, can cover distance very well. I mean, he's so good at it. But Chito Vera has one of the most legendary chins and overall durability in the game. And he is maybe, maybe the king of the five rounders. You know, they called Butterbean the king of the four rounders, right? Well, old, old <laughs> Chito, old Chito is the king of the five rounders. Dude, you give that Dude. guy 25 minutes and by the, the, the 21st minute, he is fucking you up. Like that guy is amazing with that. So I would love to see that for that reason. But if we're talking deservedness, BC... Okay. It's, to me, it's got to be Cheeto Vera. I've What'd got two say? things to say. One, when we get Butterbean on Room Service Diaries, within the first two questions, I'm going to ask him his best story of just shutting a bathroom down. Look, yeah, I mean, where, where they had to remodel after he was done. Okay, but number two, there is a way that everybody wins. The UFC gets its cake and eats it too. What's fair is fair gets corrected. And it's one of the things that I hate the most an unnecessary interim title. But if you put Cheeto O'Malley for an interim title that wasn't necessary and made it a pay-per-view main event, you'd kind of fix all your areas if you still wanted to do Sterling Cejudo next. Wouldn't you, Luke? Wouldn't you kind of fix everything with that? You might. You might. But again, it runs up with the UFC. I mean, they, they did it for St. Pierre. Well, again, now it's a post-St. Pierre world where... They don't want to do that because St. Pierre was like, yeah, I'll be back. Oh, no, I won't be back, right? And Cejudo could take this and re retire again if he wanted to. Like, what's to stop him? 
Uh, it's a tough call. It'll be very interesting to see. But if they give it to O'Malley, I think Sandhagen versus Cheeto would work. I think Cheeto versus Henry Cejudo. Henry versus uh, Corey as a fight would work. There's a lot of different ways they could go. But I just feel like O'Malley... He should be very proud of his efforts. Like, there's nothing he should hang his head about whatsoever. Like, yeah, you fought a very good guy, and not all of it went your way. But he was, he was. I wrote this on Twitter. He was a worthy adversary. But I like the maturity that Alexa Grasso showed over her last win, being like, you know what? I think I want one more five rounder before I ask for a title shot. Right? That's smart. Not rushing your way there, and certainly on the feet, O'Malley's got something for everybody. But in the top of the uh, of the of the division, where the fights go twenty five minutes, and they're very well rounded, and they're super specialists in certain parts of the game as well, right? It's a combination of both. Man, you just can't rush that because you just I don't know. Like I, so, it's a hard thing to do. And like, oh, what about the paycheck? Sean apparently makes a lot of money outside of fighting anyway. So, um, well, true or false? True or false? If the UFC felt like they wanted to to build behind Sterling and, and make him a star, then they would give him Cejudo next. But they don't, and uh, that's the reality of it. No, um, I don't think giving him Cejudo turns anything into a star. No. If they if they felt you know, but when you obviously this is a moot point in the eyes of O'Malley's coming on next in terms of star value, it doesn't matter. But it, what's Sterling's issue with the public? Is it the fact that he's got incomplete wins now, two in his last three, or is it just that he's really corny afterwards? Because look, he was pretty corny after the fight, right? Yeah, I mean, look, he says he says a lot of some. You know, I wouldn't say a lot, but he says some goofy stuff uh, on occasion. So, you know, he just doesn't necessarily have that power in the way that Chael might. That's one. But you know, okay, it's a couple things. One, uh, you know, he had he was good before, but then he had some noteworthy losses, like you know, viciously losing to Marais. So there was this comeback that people didn't want him to have, which he did. Jan's fans are, I mean, Piotr Jan is an amazing fighter. I thought he was going to win. I thought he deserved to win. But his fans are like wicked annoying. Like they're super annoying, right? They're always just chirping about how he's been done wrong or whatever. And so the fight going the way that it did the first time just sent that into overdrive. You, you mentioned taking a picture with the belt and everything else. And then he wins the second one outright. It was kind of a reluctant turn. And then... You know, he compounds it with being like, oh, I helped TJ dislocate his shoulder. Well, like, yeah, technically, but that thing was so fragile, like you can't really claim to have done it. And then he had the sort of the goofy post-fight stuff. Although I did think he had a really articulate response to Henry when Henry's like, we got to bring that belt back to America. He's like, yeah, that was I, cringe. I'm an American citizen. What the fuck are you talking about? I thought that was actually pretty smart. Wait, did did Henry name his daughter America? Because maybe he could try to pull that... that uh... Who did that? I thought it might have been Henry. Let me look that up real quick. I'm not yeah, sure. okay. So Henry's daughter is named America Maria Cejudo. Cejudo, excuse me, with his uh, fiance Anna. Do you think maybe he was really just trying to say, I'm bringing it back to my daughter? I don't know, Luke. It's cringe either way, okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that great. Uh, but, you know, Aljamain Sterling is an incredible champion. He looked to be in phenomenal physical condition. And, you know, whoever they put up against him, you're going to have a hard time beating that guy. He is very, very talented. All right, BC, let's get to the best news of the weekend. Point number five. Now, we will talk about Dariush on extra credit, but for this today, how about how about one of the best performances of the weekend, huh? Bilal Muhammad stopping MK favorite Sean Brady with strikes in the second round. It was, of course, the main event of the preliminary card. Two-part two question, BC. How impressive was the victory? And part two, does this earn him a title shot? 
Where's part three? Is my skin stay pale and pasty and without art for the rest of its life? Uh, look, first and foremost, Bilal Muhammad, like, you know, he showed out. This is a, you know, I've been, I've been underrating him outside of sharting out his, his sharting out his well-formed pecs. I'll tell you this, you know, I've been behind the, the eight ball on, on remembering the name and remembering his potential and how good he can be. This was yet another, like the win over Luke in the rematch, Step up, step forward. He's not going away performance. Yes, what we ended up finding out in a guy in Sean Brady who I love so much and it was you know, it's tough to see him go out in this way, but you know he's game, you know he'll be back, is Brady's striking is not up to the level of his wrestling up to this point. And once you once you saw that pattern develop where Bilal was going to be able to be too physically tough and stingy in the takedown defense while keeping up that pace and being on him, you know, Bilal played that matchup perfectly and then did it one better by putting on enough pressure to actually stop him. You're not going to be able to keep this guy away from either a title shot or a Chamaya fight, and he kind of deserves one or the other. I know there's a bottleneck now. We got Leon next. We might have Chamaya Covington coming up if that if they go that way. But I, I don't think Bilal should have to jump through any more hoops or pass any I mean, am I wrong, Luke? This was, a, you know, he moved down in the rankings, fought a red-hot guy who was 15-0, and 0, and stopped him. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're damn right remember that name. Um you know, would he, is there a chance he'd have to like beat a Gilbert Burns too to get to the top? I hope not, Luke. Right? I mean, th- this is this guy's ready. This guy showed out in a really hard fight, and he took advantage of the opportunity, and he kept me, you know, original and clean, and and you know, Luke, it's you know, no ink, no ink, baby. No ink. But while I'm sweating out, no ink. Our guy, Sean Brady, it was tough to watch, but I love that guy. And, and you know, I know he got a lot of hate, and it, you hate to see that on social media, but I love the picture he posted of his wife greeting him at the airport. He is tough as nails mentally. He will be back in a big way. But this was one of those step up to the level, find out where I'm at. Dude, Bilal is of the elite. Tell, t- you know, prove it wrong, Luke. No, you can't. He no, is. No, you're right. I'm late. Right. I'm the guy who needed the extra convincing you got me, Bilal. Okay, I'm in. I'm in on this journey. Yeah, he looked. He looked. You know, he didn't wrestle at all. I mean, all defensively he wrestled, but he didn't offensively wrestle really at all. And he still got the finish in the second round. I mean, I think two things I would say. One, I've just been. I mean, I was just so wrong about Bilal Muhammad so consistently. I don't even know what to say anymore. But uh, what I would say is this was clearly a level up performance for him, and he's been having a few of those recently. A lot of folks talk a lot of shit about Bilal and how he's quote unquote boring. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say about that. It doesn't. Yes, some of his other fights have been lackluster from an entertainment standpoint, but you got what you wanted out of this one. Um, beating a tough guy like Sean Brady in the way that he did. Now he had the crowd behind him, and it was a big moment for him. But the training with he, I saw him talking about training with Habib and what it did. Like he really is getting significantly better. And to be clear, like you know, this was a setback moment for Sean Brady, but Bilal's had setback moments too. He just yeah. persevered past them and hit a new gear and hit a new gear and hit a new gear. And it brought us to this moment. And so I felt really bad for Sean Brady. I thought he did win the first round. I thought he won the first round. Um, but he just couldn't get a lot going. So it leads me to believe, BC, that he's got some stuff to work on as well. If you had to sort of pinpoint what was missing for Sean Brady, what would you say? Uh, you know, I don't think the, the 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 boxing was up to the level it needed to be to to keep Bilal off of him. 
And I think, you know, he's a Philly guy. You know what's in him. There's going to need more seasoning. I know, you know, maybe get some more time with Boots in there. But he didn't. He wasn't able to establish his power, in my opinion, to dissuade Bilal from using that gas tank to put that mental pressure on him and back him up. And, you know, Bilal was accurate and he was willing to stand in there and take a potential punch. I think you had some more sophistication, obviously, to what Brady is going to be able to do on the feet. It's only going to make his wrestling ability that much more. He ha- Brady seems to have some really good intangibles. And I know some people question the stoppage here, Luke. I, I don't. I don't really see how you could. Brady was getting lit up upon, and I, you know I thought it was a merciful stoppage by the referee on time. You know, even in that. But yeah, Brady's got to get those hands on that danger level, Luke. And and um, I'm interested to see what he looks like coming back because that you know we talked to that guy at length, both on and off camera, and there's a there's a hunger, there's a hunger in there that uh, that you know. I don't look at this, uh, uh, you know, as a, as necessarily a damaging defeat. I think it's going to be the kind that will fuel him to come back even stronger. Yeah, I, I tend to think that for me, he just seems to look so unsure of himself striking, especially under heavy pressure. It's like he's kind of almost trying to just, you know, you mentioned getting him off, but we mean getting somebody off by uh, in terms of like uh, disciplining them to not to not march down on your position by, you know, putting pain in their face, putting pain in their belly. He seemed to almost be playing a little bit of tag and then get away, right? It's almost like he's a little bit unsure of how that's going to go. And then the striking, excuse me, the, the wrestling, obviously, Bilal was able to shut down, although I don't think those were you know necessarily his best attempts. It seems to me like the forward pressure, and to your point, some of the striking, the boxing in particular, there just needs to be a little bit more confidence behind it, a little bit more meanness behind it, a little bit more intentionality behind it. And he might like to counter strike. But there might be better ways to go about doing that when it, uh, when possible. So um, he mentioned something yeah, on I on. Agree. So, I'll be right there, Luke. Hold on. That's okay. He mentioned something on social media about uh, getting out of his comfort zone. I don't know what that means. That part's pretty interesting. I don't know if that means he'll leave Philly or a new team or a new kind of training. I don't really know what the hell that means. But I guess we'll have to see. In the end, last thing on this for the title shot for Bilal. I don't think this actually gets him a title shot, but I do think, BC, it gets him, at worst, a number one contender fight. I think there's just probably a... They're just You got Colby up there. You know, there's going to be this rematch or this trilogy fight already between Kamaru and Leon. Hamzat's up there. Gilbert's still kind of ahead. Yeah, there probably is one more due for him, but he gets would- past that. That's it. Home run. He's in, he's in there. I would prefer that... I think the only thing that is as good of a title shot would be a, a Hamzat fight. And I'd kind of prefer that for him. And I'd prefer Gilbert Burns against Colby Covington myself. So if that played out that way, and then we wait to see who wins the trilogy, I think everyone wins there. And I think Bilal will take that in a second. That's like a, that, I mean, it's not, a, there's no title at stake, but that's a make your whole career in terms of commercial and star power. If he goes out there and somehow beats Chemayev, Luke. There you have it. All right. Those are our top five real quickly, BC. Uh, I want everyone to know we have a very cool giveaway to announce from our good friends at Money Lion. These guys just keep on bringing the hits. Money Lion wants to hook you and a friend up with tickets to the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. This is going to be this coming weekend, October 29th in Glendale, Arizona at the Desert Diamond Arena. That's right. You heard it correctly. So here's how it's going to work. Not only BC will they fly someone out there, they'll put you up in a hotel for the night, and they are also going to hook you up with a signed pair of gloves from the fights themselves. And of course, you're going to go to the fight. So, flight, hotel, tickets, signed glove, the whole nine. Here's how you enter download the Money Lion app, which BC and I have done, create a Roar Tag account, 
right? That's key. And then comment on social media with your Roar tag. The information is in the description box below. You must be 18 or over to enter. You have to be following Money Lion, I think, on social media to win U.S. residents only. The contest, BC, ends this Wednesday. So if you're trying to go, make sure you enter ASAP again. Our friends at Money Lion giving away two tickets to Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Details in the description box below. Uh, I sweetened that deal the other day, Luke, and I mean it. You, you're an MK donk. You want to go win this contest? You want to meet us in Phoenix, Glendale specifically? Um, why don't you come on Friday's live morning combat show 24 hours before Paul Silva? You want to come and give us your prediction? Get to step in on your three steps, okay? Not three needles. I survived that barely. This is an easier three-step process, okay? Do it. You can hang out with us. Maybe even Luke will let you up on the vape stick, right? No, 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 no. No. What if they have a assigned COVID slip, Luke, from uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Mike? <laughs> assigned COVID slip. This entitles you to not spread COVID. Uh, yes. No. It's, it's, By the way, every time I go to Fight Week, I come back with some kind of communicable disease. So yes, let's yes. see how this goes in Arizona this weekend. All right, BC. Time for By the time I get to Arizona, Zona. Remember that that great great song, right? Public no. Enemy. Now it's time for DMs from Donks. Let's hit the graphic there. Okay, he hog. Yeah, all right. Yes, yes, yes. This is where you guys, we put up a post on Instagram every Sunday. You guys fill it up. The producers pick questions, and then we answer them. We go first, BC, to Emilio Bruce. He asks, do you believe Islam could be as dominant as Habib was in the division, maybe even defend the title more times than Habib did? The certain, the last part, maybe. The first part, hard to say. Yeah, uh, as we laid out to start the show, the the, the possibility is there. Uh, and it was before this fight, but you add that type of finish against this type of guy. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> Luke, we spent the whole time building up to this fight being like, let's not ruin Mahachev before he gets there. There is no Habib 2.0. This is its own guy. Did you exit this going? It's actually not that far away from Habib, potentially. Potentially. Mm. Right? Mm. Potentially. Not not yet. He would have to do. He would have to go on quite the epic run. But it is po- Is it possible? Is it within the realm of like reasonable possibility? Yes, but yes. but I mean, he's got. He just won. He's got. I mean, the guy is the one fifty. Here's the here's the best part about being the one fifty five champ. You are at that point right now the best guy in that division. Here's the problem. You got to fight all the other best guys in that division. Good fucking luck. Yep, You're, one day Ar- Armand Saryukian's coming back for 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 uh, you know revenge, Luke. One of these days, okay? He probably is. All right, from Tylorians. In your opinion, BC, what fighter in the UFC poses the greatest threat to the seemingly unstoppable Makachev? Now, m- mind you, mind you, he didn't say 155. Keep that in mind. Ooh. So uh, you know, outside of like a pro wrestling angle where. They like sleep with the same girl by accident and then Habib wants to fight him and then comes back out of retirement and like, yeah, outside of that bullshit. Um, I mean, look, styles make fights, which is why this I thought this was always going to be an awful style matchup for Oliveira. It turned out to be you have to ask yourself, what's the kryptonite on the other side? I like what you said about Darius being a potential sleeper to, to to giving him a different look and being big enough and strong enough. But like, I mean, look, you're going to get into an extra credit, but that was a mature as hell victory by Benil Darius against uh against the uh you know that the guy the guy he fought that he beat there um Mateus Gramra uh but who's the one I mean Hamza Chumayev Chumayev would be a, a tough one um I do again I, I one of those guys it's going when they get their final moment 
either Saryukian 2.0, Ismogulov. Let's see what happens with Gamrot because he found himself to be wanting here, but he's a tough customer as well. Um, so I'm not exactly sure who it is at lightweight. Obviously, you know, any of those guys, you know, Kamaru, Colby, Chemaev, I think they all give him a, a hard time. And by the way, who knows? Fucking Volkanovsky could punch his lights out too, you know? So, um, but I would probably say, oh, and by the way, how about Shavkat Rachmanov? Fucking sleeping on him too. I think he beats him. Um, oh, so. that's the answer. Yeah, that is the answer right there. That's the old, I mean, he'd have to move up and wait. Let, let's let, you know, let, let's see, the, let's see him defend the title once before we do yeah, this. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Enough of this. Bull. All right, from at Flannels and Jits, what is your reaction, speaking of Hamzat, to the Hamzat versus Habib's camp scuffle? It was with Abu Bakr, who I think he was having the disagreement with. Boy, I got to tell you, don't really give a fuck. Also, (laughs) want to point out, uh, Hamzat was there with the son of Ramzan Kadyrov, fresh off seemingly committing war crimes. I don't know if you saw the video they put out where they returned POWs to his father as like a fucking trophy. They recorded the whole thing on video, Ukrainian POWs. Then he shows up to this fight week, and again, I don't think I don't know if Dana took a picture with him, knowing who he was, because he was it was Dana and Shemaev, and then this then this son, this like you know Uday and Kuse Quisling, fucking whoever he is, of um of uh well not a Quisling, but uh, you know one of the sons of um Kadyrov, and Dana took a picture with him too. I'm like, dude, does anything matter in the sport anymore? Does anyone give a shit about not hanging out with people? Potentially associated with fucking war crimes? I guess not. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll anyway, see the scrap on have care. you seen this shit? But subsequently, there is there's some social media posts that everybody's putting in my DMs that it's supposedly it's Kadyrov saying that everything's fine. And then didn't you see in the past like 12 hours, Luke, there's that picture of a dinner table in which Hamzad is sitting across from Habib and, you know, both teams are there. So, yeah, it seemed to be some misunderstanding. But, you know, there was once a misunderstanding that, you know, Chemayev would never fight again. And then Kadyrov said that's not true as well. Um, it's also it's a little dicey also here. A little dicey so here. much for him being trapped in Russia, huh? That's a bunch of bullshit. There he was in uh, in Abu Dhabi. So yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you okay. going to do? All right, nothing. At Cole underscore Brown eight five eight. What would a loss this weekend mean to Uriah Hall's legacy? So for folks who need a refresher, refresher. Excuse me. Hall is fighting former NFL running back Le'Veon Bell on this uh, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva undercard. What do you think? I don't consider these as as monster uh, potential. I mean, look, if he got knocked cold, would we, you know, would we talk about it in the same way when we say, "Hey, remember when Johnny Morton that time took an MMA fight?" Uh, yeah. Oh God! But, Bernard Akov sent him to the land yeah, of Winding. This is not going to affect Uriah Hall's legacy. I mean, it'd be embarrassing because there's a perceived huge advantage for Hall here. And, you know, outside of Le'Veon loading up with one punch, which he did against Adrian Peterson, there's a perceived monster advantage. But this is, it's a different sport, you know? I Like, remember when people were trying to say if Ben Askren gets knocked out by Jake Paul, that, you know, I think Ariel used to push that too and be like, you know, this will be what people will remember him. That's not going to be what people remember him, okay? Yeah, it would be bad. It would just be certainly embarrassing. He would be, you know, taken to the woodshed on social media by it. But, um... Doesn't really mean much because he's like, how hard did he train? Did he give a fuck? You know, who knows? Yeah. You know, uh, we'll see. I don't expect that he will lose. By the way, I expect him to win. So we'll see how it goes. All right, from at Fergal Fitz, I think. What tattoo was BC going to get if Brady won, and would he still get one? No, the answer to the second part is no. But I'm interested to see. Did you give any consideration to what you would have gotten and where you would have gotten it? Yeah, I feel like. 
we didn't really specify that enough. We probably should have put it in the rules of the locate, you know, potential locations, how big it would be. What I wouldn't do is what people do is get all cute and put like a dot on them or a heart and be like, Hey, I got a tattoo. No, I wouldn't do that. I would go for it, Luke. And I always felt the outside of my, you know, left arm, bicep, tricep, uh, middle ground there would have been the best spot for it. You know, I would like some type of circle in it. I, you know, uh, two things that would definitely be there. It'd be some form of a nature scene, you know, mountains, sunset, something like that. And I'd have to have like bright-ish colors. Even if you told me, that, hey, you're pasty, it's going to look bad on you. It's just who I am, Luke. I mean, this is my new phone case. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, it would be it would be loud colors of this variety. But um, I'm not exactly sure what it would have been and what the full theme would have been. But uh, I would have went for it. Will I? Let's see how deep my uh, midlife crisis continues to be. I, I'm, uh, I'm about 600 producer, records into this. You know, we'll see. Yeah, Intrepid producer of note, Mikey Morham, says, one of the fans said you should have done the John Anik tattoo with the Philly area code. God, Jesus. You would have gotten the Philly area code. What is the Philly area code? I don't know. I oh, don't let's know. Let's see. Philly right. area code. It is uh, 267-445 and 215. You would have gotten 215 tattooed on you? No, I would not have gotten that, okay? That's um, so stupid. <laughs> Luke, there's a member of our show who got an MK tat. We know that Donk of the Year, Damien, who disappeared from life, uh, got a morning combat tat. He's um, up on stage telling everyone he has a small dick. Do, do, do I, would, would, would it, you know, to be in the full spirit of this, should I, should I have been forced to get some type of MK tat? No, I think you, no, mm-mm. No. You should get the right. tattoo that you want. I mean, at a bare minimum, especially if it's your first tattoo, it should not be a punishment in that way. Not to me. Imagine anyway. a scenario when I called you up. I'm like, Luke, I took your advice. I'm going to get my ass tatted. And you're like, yo, BC, finally, dude, you see it. You get it. I'm like, well, not my ass cheeks, but the actual asshole with this um, with this tattoo, Luke, right here. This. Uh... That's a very funny joke, BC. I'm sure it kills at the uh, Wolf's Lodge and, uh, or any other place. Yeah. Below. Sad people hang out. Um, that would be probably the only MK tat I'd get, but uh, yeah, all right. Hey, all right, Luke, you know good. we try, uh, we try to give the best show possible. There's times when you know sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Okay, maybe maybe it's maybe the stars didn't align. Maybe you know maybe today was meant to be a sucker show. I'm. I think the show's going fine up until right this moment. Oh, all right. Let me get back on track then. Let's do it. <laughs> It's time for your feces. Time for BC's feces. Let's do it. Uh, luckily for you guys, before I had this uh, midlife mental mental breakdown here, um, I did scour the globe and the internet yesterday for the uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the you know all that shit and I, beyond. I really want to see some weightlifting fails and some elder abuse. You really have been slipping on that. If I can, you know what? Honest. On the latter, I have been slipping. I get so many. See, there's problems that happen. We get so many duplicates where it's like, it's a different video, but we've done that 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 bit too much. Right. And our audience forgets shit. All I get are constantly people sending me videos we've used already, you know? And I could be like, oh, we used that two years ago, you know? So here we go. I We got to keep it fresh here. Let's go to my shit. It's called, have you seen this shit, in fact? Yeah. Ow. Ow. Uh, BC's feces takes us to Abu Dhabi, UFC 280. Luke, this is as wholesome as it gets. I kind of, I got emotional here watching this. Let's go to the videotape. And I just want to say, you see, this my belt for my coach, Abdulmanab Nurmagomedov. Many years ago, he told me, just training hard and you're going to be champion. And I want to give this belt. I, this is, 
him and his father make me, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. about as it's about as humble as you can be in that moment, Luke. So I, you know, I support that all the way. Yeah, coach, his, his father dude, made me. That's that's uh, that's that's profound. That's deep. And man. Coach like Habib it. is on fire right now, right? Dude, apparently he runs. We heard what Eric Nixick said. Like his practices, boy, he don't fuck around in there. You're there to you're there to learn that day. So I think the no only wonder. downtime they get is when they play that full contact uh, basketball game that they play, where they like. <laughs> Take each other down, you know, in the dribbling and stuff. I know yeah. they beat the fuck out of each other playing basketball. It's like this is a weird ass game, but if it works for him, it works for him. Indeed. And then uh, Islam got an actual victory lap here on the shoulders of Habib. And Luke, some people were doing the split screen. It was it was inverted when Habib won the title at two twenty three. Islam was carrying him around. So uh, great to see that full circle moment there for Team Habib, regardless of who they eat dinner with. Are Luke you going to and- do this if we win the World MMA Awards? To me. I'm. I can't be a power bottom in this, Luke. I can't carry you. I mean, come on. You know, I'm frail. I'm falling apart over here. Uh, let's go to uh, the the said incident between Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov, the cousin of Habib, and Hamza. This was right after uh, Islam's victory. It's weird that like they they're holding hands or like they're embracing, and all of a sudden it's just pushing and shoving. Yeah, luckily right nobody right in front of the media seemed... there too. Look at the media. Yep. Imagine if he, Habib got a running start and drop kicked Chimaev like he tried to do to uh, Dylan Dennis. That time. Well, I gotta that say wild. that was like the high point of Dylan Dennis's popularity, right? Like since then, he's just been a ghost. Yeah, know? ever since um, he got water bottles thrown at him by Jake Paul that time at the shop show, Luke. It's been downhill since then, you know. Yeah, I think that's it. He has, although DAZN keeps tweeting about him, which is the most annoying thing on earth. But what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. Uh, Luke, we talked about uh, Bilal having, I don't know if he's a D-cup, but he's got, you know, he's got the best cans this side of that octagon. <laughs> Even Dana had to get to second base on him during this stare down, Luke, all right? He does, so, he does. And by the way, Sean Brady's got impressive, impressive pecs. Look at those things. Yeah, I'm sure his ass is too, Luke, underneath all that ink. But, you know, maybe, maybe Luke, you know, a lot of people going, oh, God, now we got a room service diaries uh, jinx. We jinxed Glover. We jinxed Sean Brady. Well, Demetrius Johnson won after RSD, but Luke wasn't there. So maybe the Luke RSD jinx is upon us here, Luke. Possibly. Or maybe some of you guys are stuck in third grade. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Oh, I'm being told AJ McKee also won after being on the couch. So, right, uh, yeah, right. So people can yeah, yeah, no, no, Sean. Maybe so, but maybe Sean cursed himself trying to win a world championship with ass tats. Andy Ruiz tried that against Joshua in the rematch, right? Didn't happen. Uh, did he, he have ass tats of in the that one? Tats. Yeah, but he beat he beat Luis Ortiz. It was better when you believed in things like curses. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, let's go over to Ty Tuivasa, Luke. He had to let his presence. Oh, let me be guess. Felt. Is there a shoey? Let me guess. Let me yeah, guess. and your boy, your yeah, boy Vault. This, this is... isn't. Hey, the good news about the shoey is it's totally not played out. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, it's hygienic too. That is gross. Wow. Who? Wow. Yeah. He don't care, I... Luke. He's he's here to bang. You know. I, I just can't. <laughs> right? It's like it's like, dude. We gotta get. Like Ty Tuivasa seems like a very fun, cool guy. And I'm betting he's got more party tricks than this. Can we see some other party tricks? Because I've seen this one 80 yeah. billion times. What are you going to do next? Eat shit? Yeah, I mean, come on, right? Remember remember they did that in Philly when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Oh, that's just gross. They are All right, look, you know Philly. nothing gets me happier on this segment than real recognizing some real. Let's go backstage at UFC 280. Welterweight champion Leon Rocky Edwards 
uh, embracing Habib and Islam directly after the victory. Hey, Look, Walter White the, champ meets the meets the lightweight champ. Yeah, I like this. I like this respect shown. You see that guy in the suit there in the blue, Luke? That's one of Habib's managers. He was um, handcuffed on top of my laptop during that melee at 229. He's also uh, uh, he's a big figure in dominance MMA management, I believe. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, nice moment there. And, Luke, let's keep it going. Uh, Hasbula was trying to take over like in hey, a liver hey, king. Hey, did like. ESPN MMA's social media accounts share enough Hasbulla information and, and tweets and videos? I can't tell because they only tweeted about it every five seconds. Uh, here's Hasbulla and Sugar Sean recognizing the realness in each other. I got to say, chucking the water bottle and putting on the shades is kind of cool. Yeah, that's all right. I like this one. Okay. Uh, Gaff, do you have that extra video of, of uh, Hasbulla on the water bottles? Can we throw to that now, if possible? Yes, okay. This also, Luke, was uh, <laughs> after the fight. That's you. That's you. That's you on every MK set. Luke, I can't hate on Hasbulla. This is hilarious. Dude, this I'm not hating on him, but someone tell me what the joke is because I don't know how you can explain it without saying that ultimately you find something hilarious about whatever developmental disability he has. No, so. he's hilarious. He, his pers- the character he's playing, his persona, is hilarious. It's not, mildly not amusing his- at best. There's All nothing right. wrong with it. I don't, it's fine. Dude, he's going to make money. Go make money. But I think people are just lying to themselves about what, the, what, what they're doing here. Luke, our final real meets real. How about heavyweight champion Alexander Usyk catching up with Ivan Drago himself, Dolph Lundgren. Holy Jesus! What happened to old Dolph? Is he turning? I don't to know. Coleman? Yeah, that that that's not a good look. Hopefully he'll he'll recover. Oh, you know look. what? I don't know Blow what back up. Is. He looks like he's got a walking cast on his left foot there. Yes. 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 So he must have had some kind of surgery. Well, he's still big as shit though for a guy who's yeah. as old as he is. Oh yeah, he's probably still a badass. All right, let's go to uh, Henry Cejudo, Luke. He was doing, you know, everyone's got a live show now, like a like a fight companion, like Joe Rogan and Cal Calbasis, Luke. That's like it's like the hot thing to do now. Remember, we did one with Dion the Barber. It was fun. People liked it. Yeah, here was uh, a we moment during <laughs> Henry Cejudo's at home live party Saturday. <laughs> Guys, welcome to YouTube Live, where I'm going to be breaking down UFC 280. Juchi, you want to come, Juchi? You can, Juchi, come. Where I'm going to be watching UFC 280, breaking down, watching these fights live on tape. And we have little baby America here. Right now, we're just closing off round two of Gamrat versus Dariush. Luke, shout out to, first of all, shout out to Baby America as a she's, hashtag she's, girl dad. She is gorgeous. She's amazing. R.I.P. the late Kobe. You understand that. But how about that welcome? That is Luke Thomas-like. I've seen that before. No, right? that's, that's you looking at the hot dogs on the little roller thing at Cumberland Farms. That's you. Uh, Luke, did you hear that Tito Ortiz is mad and he's not going to take it anymore? Oh, God. Who um, gives a shit? The the satanic uh, circle has overcome California, so Tito is going to pack up his family and move to Florida. Let's hear from Tito. Yeah, enjoy. The devil's here, people. It's disgusting what's going on. Like I say, I'm going to save my children. It's my life. This is what I live for. It's my children. Once again, my name and my word. <laughs> All right. Well, did we, did we need to see him do that? 
<laughs> Luke, it's his life, and it's now or never. And like you said, he's not going to live forever, Luke. So Florida, welcome the Ortizes. Here we go. Uh, let's go over to this, Luke. How about this? Deontay Wilder is back. He also has a new single and a music video out with his wife, Telly Swift. Let's go to the videotape here. I want to get your thoughts. Okay, okay, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. Uh, Luke Thomas, your thoughts? Uh, probably not the intended audience for that kind of music. I think that's probably a fair way to put it. Okay. Also, it, uh, you know, the auto-tune there was noticeable. Heavy on auto-tune. Did you get a little feel of like, come on, be my baby tonight? You know, that that legend David from New Orleans, real world, Dude, you know? The, the reality is, if you're famous enough, you can buy enough things around you to, to basically do whatever you want. Um, I'll say this. You know what? And I mean this sincerely. Deontay seems happy, which yeah. he hasn't always been. He's not doing the to this day thing all the time, you know? So, he looks pretty uh, cool in that video. I mean, he, you know, he looks like a king in that video. I'll give him credit on there. So, well, I uh, mean, could he wear? I mean, he looks like Liberace with those clothes on. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest about that. But uh, that's that's, a, right, that's an get, old man reference, right? Let's get back to the fights. Here is uh, one on Amazon Prime three from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And look at this, no moss after this body shot. Oh wow, oh. no, yeah, oh. yeah. She hey, Herb, enough. Herb, she doesn't want to fight anymore. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there it is. Wow. That, that, that. That's me. That was me after like going to that Taco Bell downstairs the first time. <laughs> uh, let's go over to Fabricio Andrade. Uh, he broke John Lineker's cup, Luke, yeah. with a knee to the groin. Damn. This fight, this fight was good. Uh, he fucked up John Lineker. Well, actually, both of them were taking some damage. You could see the right eye of Lineker was, look at that, super messed yep. up. And then he shattered his cup. Boy, and John Lineker missed weight. I mean, he just had all kinds of fails. And he's bald week. now, Luke. Yeah, he had a rough weekend there. But the fight turns out to be a no contest. And here is Andrade's reaction afterwards. <laughs> Do we see a rematch, Luke, for the title? If uh, Lineker can make it or what? It what was, it was turning out to be a pretty good fight, so I, I would hope. But by the way, I got to say, for the third uh, uh, one event on Amazon, this one was very quiet. I didn't see anyone talking about this one. So I agree with you on that. Uh, Luke, here was uh, the Cade Ruotolo appearance here. We had him on, yeah. uh, you had him on Morning Combat. He looked And the 19-year-old awesome. took the back instantaneously to open round one. Well, how about yeah, that, hit Luke? A, hit a duck under here right there, rolls through, takes the back. And uh, yeah, dude, he he went to work on this guy. Although I will say the judo guy hit a hit a foot sweep early. Uh, uh, Kurzhev hit a foot sweep early that took Ruotolo off of his feet. But after that, he was he was uh, he got, Ruotolo he would go up. on to hit a heel hook. Luke, here's the videotape, and when the inaugural he goes won, belly down on it like this. Yep. Oh, one Jesus lightweight Christ. grappling title. Wow, look at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. Dude, he, that guy know. is lucky. He's walking out of there uh, not in a wheelchair. That is a yes. vicious variety of the heel hook. 
And uh, to the victor goes the spoils, Luke. Here's Cade trying to hold the heaviest belt in combat sports today. I mean, could this belt be bigger, honestly? <laughs> Why not just give him the cage for fuck's sake? Can you make the belt a little bit more? <laughs> Is that his brother, Luke? <laughs> yes, that's Ty. That's Ty Ruotolo, okay. who's also very good, who also didn't win at ADCC, but you know, was is a high-level competitor and fought and... He actually got, I think, one win at this past week or the past time tournament. So, one or two. Look, you ever hear of a dance called the gritty dance? Yeah, I see every asshole doing it on uh, social media. <laughs> well, we found another one. No, just kidding. Here's 77 year old boxing Hall of Famer Michael Buffer breaking down a uh, gritty dance in the Eagles' end zone. I mean, someone just slug this old man in the face, please. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? Wow. That guy's a legend, Luke. Come on. I know. I love Michael Buffer, but when they do. Dude, like guys in their 70s trying to be like, I also know what's happening on TikTok. Dude, it's okay if you don't know what's happening on yeah. TikTok if you're 70. Yeah. It's totally all right, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, he is aging gracefully. 77. Good Lord. Wow. All right. Uh, let's go to pro wrestling. We don't play many clips of pro wrestling in here, Luke, for I think obvious reasons, but this came across my timeline the other day. I wanted to get your thoughts. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> All right, yep. Toss salad indeed, Luke. There it is. Okay. Hey, let's go to our this, wheel this, kick of the this, week. Is this it comes from like this Japan random rock and roll concert, Luke. Nobody was burned to death here, unlike that Rhode Island incident. Remember with uh Yeah, here we go, Luke. Uh here it is. Who are these jackasses? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Oh, that Dude, was is that great. one of the uh, Island Boys or what, Luke? I don't know, but if you look like this, I feel like the audience deserves to beat your ass when the show's over. I think so. I think so. All right. Uh, you know, I would like to do, Luke, is search deep. I search deep. Here's some fighters in the wild. Let's catch up with what people are doing outside of the fighting surface. Here's Clay Guida on the open water. Check out this score from the Carpenter. Damn. I don't know I what think... kind of fish that is, but that's a big ass one. Like an anaconda snake or something, Luke. That thing's massive. It just, damn. You ever been fishing, BC? Yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not not my thing, you know. Does that make me less manly? This is a true story. First of all, I went on a 50-mile canoe trip one time, which was awful. It rained every single day. When I got home, my my sleeping bag was so mildewed, I had to throw it away. Like, there was no way to save it. Oh, that's great. And there was one time where we were going under tree brush, and the idiot who's in the canoe with me, because we were fishing along the way, he hit the tree on top of us and two cottonmouths fell in the fucking canoe. So we had to jump out of the canoe. By the way, these are like alligator-infested waters. We had to jump out of the canoe and then guide it to shore and then dump the fucking thing to get out of the way from the cottonmouth. <laughs> I was like, dude, I want to never leave a city ever again. Fuck this. Yeah. Now you're running from cottonmouths while hosting a award-winning podcast, Luke, right? Yeah, but you're cottonmouth for a different reason. It's because you've had... A throw of Delta in your tummy. Uh, Luke, here, uh, you know who's not being talked about as Aljo's next opponent? His good buddy, Marab Wheelie, who got out of the MMA space to hit the kickboxing gym. Here's six foot four kickboxer Katsarina Kavalieva just dominating Marab, Luke. Tell me you saw this and you didn't think of uh, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, being like, holy <laughs> shit, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> she's six four. Damn. Yeah, dude, you think she dunks? She don't dunk. She probably she dunked don't. in high school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at this. She just manhandles him. Yeah. He, damn. All right. Uh, I don't know if he's... Is he married, Luke? Or is this an investment opportunity for him? 
I don't know. Okay, uh, you know who is married, Luke? Jordanus Ugas, the former welterweight world champion, upset Manny Pacquiao. We know him. Did you see the shirt his wife was wearing at the Deontay Wilder fight? Luke, I got to get your 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 take on this. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen a lot in my time with uh, <laughs> Latin women. This is a new one. This is a new one. So is that a picture of her own chest worn over her chest? I don't, I don't even know if I understand it. Yeah, it's like you're not going to look at my titties exactly, just a picture of them that I'll wear. Hey, when you're okay. when you're when you're a badass like your Danis Ugas, you can do whatever the hell you, you can do want. Do whatever the fuck you want. Hell yeah, you that's can. what I'm talking about. That's, hey, that's Luke, the Ameri- you know, that's a, hey, listen, when you're the American dream, your girl can wear a titty shirt. You know what I'm saying? That's true. That's true. You know what else you can do with the American dream? You can make a comeback, Luke, because that's the American way. You know who's back in the ring on the regular right now? Mm. I got three letters for you, not GSP. BSL. He's back and he's not leaving that ring. Here's uh, some recent sparring footage of. MMA's own Bloodstained Lane, the living oh, really? legend. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. Am I in the wrong order? What That's the, not Bloodstained Lane. What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Do we not have that video to shout out the legend? I, oh, we don't have that one. I may. I don't know. I don't know, Luke. I don't know what's happening anymore. Anyway, he was dominating some guy from the Southpaw stance. Okay, there you Good, go. Yeah. You can look at Good him. to see him back. Good to see him back. Hey, let's go to Pancrase Neo Blood. Let's check out what happened at the weigh-in, Luke. Here's Durrani Pravjara wearing an interesting... Um... You know, I'm going to ask MMA male fighters to not do this again, please. Although I will say he's manscaped. He is manscaped. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, Luke, you know that Dana's going to Dana, and when he does, sometimes we put him on the show. Here's Dana for the first time ever addressing that four-minute media takedown on your boy BC uh, during a, a, an appearance on the Balancing Chaos post podcast, which is hosted by Frank Fertitta's daughter. So let's listen. When, when, you, when you fuck with us, I can't wait to shove it in your face. Um, you know, when, when we went through COVID and you were talking about how I was just getting murdered by the media, I went out and found every media guy that talks shit. And we did a documentary that we posted and we posted their face, their name, what publication they wrote for, what they said, bring, bring the negativity, but get ready. Cause when I prove you're wrong, I'm going to rub your fucking nose in it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to prove me wrong, Luke, okay? I'm still, I know. Yeah, I'm still waiting. It's like, and okay, those... so did you go to Tachi Palace? No. Why didn't you? Because, oh, right. Did, did right. Disney tell you to stand down? Because that's what we were referencing there, sir. Right. Everything after right. that, okay. thank you for your service and keeping yeah. us employed I mean, and giving okay. us it's like, great dude, every, Everyone's decided they've won the COVID battles. and Okay, whatever. Well, Luke, if you mess with him, though, he's proven he'll slap you. He'll slap the taste out of your mouth. In fact, he's taking that idea to the next level. Here is the first... Power slap commercial from Dana White's new venture capital investment. Now, did they do this at the apex or the gathering of the juggalos? Where'd they do this? Dude, this is so lame. I'm really shocked that we are here. I'm re- I'm really shocked we are at this point. I know he had to do something with that, with all that. Um, Dude, here's the, the best part. Money. Here's the best part. They're doing this November 11th. So this is the day before. This is the Friday before UFC 281. How many MMA media members are going to show up to it? Let me just say this now. If you're an MMA media guy and you go to this, you got some serious questions you better start asking yourself. 
So I got this this video from Dana's uh, Instagram, and I, I I legitimately looked to see like what the the public reaction is or which celebrities endorse it. You know, the first comment was Michael Chandler going, "This is awesome, <laughs> Luke Company man all the way." But dude, on top of this sport just being the lamest in the bottom of the of the food chain and combat sports, like just what what's so lame about this is like we already knew that the key to Dana's heart was to fight your ass off and be as exciting as possible. I mean, he outright built a contender series which has become the the quickest and, you know, and most legitimate way to get noticed by the 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 company on a foundation where like if you don't get a finish, you're probably not getting a contract even if you win. So we already know that's the intention. But to now put something like this together where there's literally no defense, it's the stupidest thing ever, and then bragging about like, oh, we've got real interest already from MMA fighters. If this is some way of saying, you know, BKFC's taking what's left of all our ex-fighters, maybe we should create our own thing where they can continue to make money and lose the rest of whatever's left upstairs, Luke. This is literally the stupidest thing I've ever seen get to get this far with this yeah, much Yeah, this backing. is... Again, if this appeals to you as an entertainment product, you pro- I mean, I'm, I, you know, not a book reader probably is a fair way to put that. Not a book reader. Like, I'm shocked. Any other adaption of combat sports, like if, if he bought karate combat and went that route, I'd be like, pretty cool, you know, or if he bought glory or like whatever, Luke. But yeah, this boxing, is... Uh... Defend yourself at all times. Slapping. No, just take the shit. Like, that's it. Like, there's no, I mean, literally zero defense. Zero defense. Yeah, I'm sure they did surveys, Luke. Maybe this is what Middle America wants. Okay. Um. Yeah. There's. There's. There, I mean, there's probably some audience for it. Um. Just uh, uh, a bunch of uh, rubes. <laughs> a lot of people want to know, like, where'd this come from? From Dana? Like, where did it birth? I think we found the video, Luke. Shout out to the 209, right? <laughs> Mon- you know, he monet- tried it. Monetizing this. He tried it and he liked it. You know, there you go. I get it. Hey, look, Halloween's coming up soon. Here's the best costume already of 2022. They call this one Laces Out. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's yeah, let pretty me good, ask you admit. about that one. Hey, dunk fail of the week time. Everybody tries to be a hero on an eight-foot hoop. Let's see what happened to this guy. Man, he's white, BC. That's so out of character. Yeah, yeah. Who who is that person that just showed up? Like Geek Squad's ready to help him fix his hard drive and Uh sir, I'm here to install your nest doorbell. Oh, sir, I see you're a moron. I apologize. Yeah, indeed. All right, Luke, Street Fights of the Week. This is the good stuff right here. Let's go to McDonald's to see what happened next. Yeah. Bro, they're just having it out. Like, what? What's the? Oh hey. shit! Uh, and I dubbed the unforgiven. Bah! <laughs> Yo, I'd be running by stealing their like half eaten Big Mac if I saw this breakout. I think my favorite part is it's just man versus woman versus fat guy chair. versus chair versus wall versus. Yeah, uh, chair fights are popular. Let's go to the poker room of this casino with a lot lot going on in this brawl. Oh, hell yeah. Look at this. I bet, I bet that guy's an ex-Marine on the left. I bet. There, no it turns out there is such thing. Yeah. No, there is no such thing. Oh, oh look at this. Sh- oh, shit. My man's not even playing with the with the stool there. Oh, and then he got and he tased. Fell. Oh, he got no, tased? He got, he got tased like a mofo. Yeah. Don't tase me, bro. 
Yeah, you did get tased, bro. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, Luke, you once told me there's not enough BBLs in this segment. So you ever hear of a natural disaster that they call the BBL earthquake? Oh, Jesus. What the fuck? (laughs) What happened to all the Latin women, Luke? I don't know. I mean, that's just Satan was like, I'm going to take these ones for me. (laughs) Ah. Wow, I hope they were Holy okay. Holy crap. What language is that, by the way? Is that like some kind of Croatian or something? I don't even I, know. I hope. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, Luke, remember that Caleb Plant KO of Anthony Durell? It might end up as KO of the year. Check out this alternate angle that I found of it. Finish him. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, wow. I mean, that's shit. Oh, that's good. That that's really, really good. That's really good. Yeah, that is really damn good. Wow. I hate to see that. I love me some Anthony Durrell, but what a finish. Damn. Hey, All dude, right. they, talk, they talk that shit. You get, you get put out like that. That's the game, man. That's the yep. game. That is the game. Uh, we close with the best artwork of the, reek, of the week. We start with this art. Uh, Luke, write this tad. Here's Cody Garbrandt's, the back of his left leg, and it's uh, Post Malone on that. So that's a little bit that. dark, but I think because it's fresh, it will lighten up. I would say that's mostly... Uh, pretty good, I think. All right. Well, we we see some tattoo art. How about some performance art? I call this half court cage. Was that a donut? Yes. Well, he rubs his Nicholas Cage bit. I think. Yes. Um, you know, this is a little bit disturbing. This guy's well, just mouth, well. Mouth wait breathing. for this. Just mouth breathing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing but that dude look at that <laughs> dude, this guy this i don't know who this guy is but he's definitely committed a bunch of crimes we don't know about i'm just gonna say with more than that yeah, he will 100 percent eat your flesh after challenging you to a game Big of time. one-on-one luke but wow from half court from way downtown bang because that's what he's gonna do to you after he puts you in his basement is All this right? like chef kaz in like 30 years Maybe, maybe. Although Chef Kaz can take any fighter to the championship level, Luke, with that nutrition plan. You better believe that. And those weird uh, we close with the the final piece of art. I think they call this one the human windshield wiper. I was looking to get your thoughts on this. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I have to look at man dong and man ass, but then the one BBL you had had just a shirt on. Like, this is... This is very unfair, if I do say so myself. <laughs> I'm really sorry that those BBLs, Luke, got sucked in by the Sarlacc pit monster. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They went into the Sarlacc pit. Oh, Jabba, no like, Jabba, be Jabba. Jabba yeah. was like, she knock on two walk solo. <laughs> and there was a get in there. Yo, Salacious Crumb was a motherfucker, right? He was a hee 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 all right, that's all the shit I got. I got to go. All right, all right, great all right, all right, all right. Let's yeah. remind everyone we got the Manscaped stuff going on. There's information for it in the description box. Hey, you want to go hang out with MK? Free tickets, free airfare, uh, free hotel, signed gloves to go to Jake <laughs> Paul and Anderson Silva, which is this Saturday in the description box below. Our friends at Moneyline are going to send you if you enter that contest. Go do it now. That's legit. That's real. That's the whole nine yards. Plus, we will have extra credit on Benil Dariush. Coming a little bit later, we've got some other stuff to set you up for Jake Paul Anderson Silva Fight Week coming out pretty soon as well, so be on the lookout there. 
Here are all of our various socials. You see them below on the screen. As a reminder, BC and I travel tomorrow, so Wednesday and Friday's show will be in Arizona, but you can email the show morningcombat at gmail.com to reach the show for Wednesday's fan subs or Friday's dead wrong. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to plug at the moment. I think that's uh, about right. Oh, yeah, here we go. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. For the first month, you get it for free, and then $3.99 a month for the three months subsequent to that. By the way, Wednesdays and Friday's show are going to be one hour later. Uh, so instead of a live at 11 in the East, they'll be live at noon in the East as a bit of a reminder for you. Plus, we're going to have tons of stuff on the ground there in Arizona to get you guys ready for that fight week as well. There's also a UFC fight this upcoming weekend, too. We won't forget about that either. All right? All right. So for Showtime, for CBS Sports, for Malka and the great Brian Campbell, I am Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you guys on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.